Welcome to Biggest Geekest. We are your hosts. I am Joe. And I'm Randy. Randy Slurpee Pants. Randy Slurpee Pants. That's right, baby. Max better be careful if he gets on tonight. I feel Slurpee. This is episode 70 of our podcast, and the date is Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. And today we're talking about 13th Age. We had a couple of interesting preliminary comments. Yeah. Uh, One from Shadzar. What happened to the 6th through the 12th Ages since Dragonlance had a 5th Age? (laughs) Well, I'm sure Shadzar is being a little rhetorical there. Hmm. 13th Age is a game. And. Because I, I have the Book of Ages, if you really want to know. Yes, uh, which details up to the 13th. Yep. Yes. So, and does not include Dragonlance because uh, uh, the makers of 13th, 13th Age, I believe, eschewed Dragonlance as a valid age. <laughs> they said, no, that's lies. That's all lies and heresy. It's all lies. It's all lame. All lame. Poop. So 13th Age is a setting and a rule set. Yep. 13th Age being the current epoch that the setting is in. Right. But, you know, it's uh, very makes it very evocative, and I kind of like that. That was kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So um, how you been? Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've been better. I'm going to... Under the weather? Yeah, well, sort of. I had a had an earache. You might see this little piece of... That's an ear. Yeah, and my, I don't know if you can you see it. You got something in it? Oh, okay. Um, I haven't had an earache, Joe, since I was probably... Seem seemed like at, at the latest, my early 20s, probably when I was a t- young teenager. Yeah, earaches are common when we're kids. It was rare, and I had one, and I had a little sore back in my throat, and they're working together, making some mm-hmm. problems. Finally got better last night about four. I didn't sleep hardly a wink the other night. I mean, I'm, I mean, like less than two hours, and I had to work and uh, worked again today. But I feel a lot better, feeling a whole lot better. Before we get into this, I don't know, you probably saw my face. Yeah, I think you saw my Facebook post that I totally caved into the pressure. I haven't been on Facebook except to oh. post except to post a shout out about our uh, yes. oh you know what I didn't even go on I didn't go on any of the discords I normally go on to post this oh, oh man so talk about you your had, thing if you had a partner that helped you okay so <laughs> guess who bought the three hundred fifty dollar Tiamat <laughs> dude you could have just given me the money and been more satisfied. <laughs> You'd have been more satisfied. Yeah, so I'm looking at, I don't know where I'm at. I'm on um, RPG Auctions on Facebook. I check that periodically. And dude had one on there for like 380 buyout. I was like, that's not much different. So I started looking, and I checked eBay, and they're creeping up way up there in prices, you know. And uh, one guy said, um <laughs> the new meta these days. Yeah, it really is. Um, one guy on the Facebook um, auction said, um, RPG auction said, uh, Amazon's got only one left. And then that kicked mode. And I was like, man, because, and I looked at it. I got to, so I'll tell you the story. It's on Facebook. I'm going to tell you. I looked at it. And I was like, oh, this thing is so beautiful. But 350 bucks. So I tell Deb, I said, Deb, just tell me no. That's my wife. I'm like, this is dumb. She goes, I don't care if you get it. And I was like, no, you can't say that. And so I walked and I got up that morning. I wasn't sleeping very well. And I, this is the morning I wasn't sleeping. And I walked to my game room and I said, 
the dice, the dice shall decide. And I took out a D20 and I said 16 to 20. If I roll a 16 to 20, I'm buying it. If I roll a one to five, I am not buying it. If I roll between six and 15, I'm going to re-roll, but only up to three times. So I rolled a 14, re-roll, 10, re-roll, and then a natural 20. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, it is my destiny. (laughs) And I said, I'm buying it. And as soon as I did, I hated myself, but not completely, because when I get it, it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be, oh, and Tim Scott posted, he goes, so are we going to be fighting uh, Tiamat at Cabin Con? I said, dude, you're going to be fighting Tiamat on every adventure. (laughs) I mean, I paid big bucks for this. You're going to face it. (laughs) So I more than doubled my last vanity project that I blew. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I am weak and deserve derision, but I am going to have a big old Tiamat. (laughs) You are. You are. Well, I just did my Discord posting, so that, yeah. should, that didn't take too long. No. Yeah, if you had a partner that would help you out, it'd be a lot easier. Find get on there and do some of that pre pre game warm up hype. Yes. So. Well, I I did it. I did it. I went to uh, YouTube and Facebook and MeWe. I always forget something. Yeah. I should automate it. I know there's got to be a way to automate it, and I know all about automation. And uh, I should be able to handle it. I just um, do other stuff. <laughs> That's a good one. Yes, you crit your wallet, and it didn't make his death save. Yes, yes, Shadzar. Mr. Larry, he's right. You rolled dice at all. <laughs> yeah, I did, actually. I rolled, and I was going to live by it. But uh, at least I tell myself that. <laughs> it was 6 in the morning, so I could have done anything, you know. So... Who's to know? Mm. Welcome to folks that are here early with us. We appreciate it. It's good to see everybody. Um, all right. So, what thank else? you, Shadzar. I did not know the video. What didn't uh, embed? Um, I will take care of that later. Unless there are, I mean, are there really a lot of people that want to actually watch it? There. I mean, let's see. I don't even know how to. Given 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 a few minutes of free time, I can figure it out. But right now, no. <laughs> oh, you can only watch it on YouTube. Well, that's where it's at, so that should be okay. <laughs> what? I don't understand what he's saying. Then. Okay, so on Discord, oh. I post the link, and um, in some place, uh, because I don't have the right setting set. Um, you can't just watch it right there. You have oh. to you have to go to YouTube. And oh. there are probably some folks where that's an inconvenience. And he said some folks that. can't share the video, only the link. Okay. Okay. Oh, well. All right. So we got any uh, call-ins or emails? Can you or- share the video anywhere it won't embed. Oh. Okay. I'm not worried about embed embedding at the moment. I'm worried about yakking. And I don't know anything about embedding. I will I will keep that as a note for later to um, take care of on the Discord. Right on, baby. We we can't afford to have uh, the the podcast cannot afford 
or the streaming channel cannot afford employees. So you <laughs> get my cut rate service. So yeah. sorry about that. Yeah. If this partner would take a few minutes and be tech savvy, I could help him out. But Right. So we do have some call-ins this week. Okay. Um, just to let everybody know, we did not get to play D&D this week. Wah, wah, wah. But I am offering up a game this Saturday if Joseph can make it. So some folks are coming already. So I'm playing this weekend whether or not my Mudsword partner is going to be there or not. But I hope he makes it. Mudsword partner. Sounds odd. Yes. Could sound Ooh. bad. Could, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> moving along. I interpret it that way, and no one else should either. Yes. <laughs> We're going to play uh, some audio from our voicemails. We still have some folks over on Anchor that um, – oh, did we get something? What are you laughing about? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Dude. Speaking some truth. Yes. So we, what we have to learn to do is actually when we laugh about something, we should really read it out loud. So for the folks who are only listening after today. Right. <laughs> Chad Zar has posted a comment since we are live. Yes. After buying that Tiamat, Randy won't have to worry about embedding for a long time either. Hey, you must have missed it. My wife actually gave me the okay. But that is still very funny. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot of money to blow. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to share over here with my audio stuff. Let's see. There's that. All right. All right, sweet. Little. I think it was only the three. Yes. Okay. Oh. No, no, no. I forgot to do something. Okay. Well, so Joe is trying to do a bunch of stuff, and – um. I think when we start talking about 13th age, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to break it up into components. Today is about the setting and what we like about it. And then we're eventually going to get some, some mechanics for building characters. And I was thinking, Joseph, that I might do a segment on DM tools and monsters. So we might have three shows on the 13th age. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm figuring yeah. on a few. Yeah, we're trying to rip off the Goodfellas at Legion of Myth and do a very in-depth review if we can. Right. For some reason, I'm not getting the ability here to... Um... Share sound? Okay. Can you... Hold on. Can you hear it? I can hear nothing. Okay. I didn't think so. Hmm. Uh, for some reason, it's not letting me do sound. While we're waiting, I'll show some of the folks. I'm holding up the 13th Age book nice and close. Rob Rob Heinsu and Jonathan Tweet, uh, just kind of previewing this for you. we got lots to talk about before we get to 13th Age. This is a pretty, I would say it's a pretty beautiful book. Uh, beautiful might be strong. It's a really nice-looking book. Uh, color on the inside. Uh, <clears throat> I hope to get an overhead camera soon and be able to show more of this. Let's see if I can squeeze some of the art in. It's not terribly fancy art, but I do like it. I mean... They do have a very nice color map um, on the inside front cover. Uh, so I bought almost every supplement for this I purchased because I'm crazy like that. And uh, we played the living poop out of this game for, oh, probably close to a solid year and two years, didn't we, Joe? It was a oh, yeah. It was in the rotation a lot. So we really enjoyed it. 
and we'll talk more about the different elements later. Joe's having trouble getting the voicemail from Taylor. That's sad. On a non-gaming note, did anybody watch? Uh, did anybody watch the college national football national championship last night? My sister-in-law, who lives with us, um, she's a big Alabama fan. She's from that area. They spent many years in Alabama, so she was terribly disappointed when Georgia upset them last night. Well, actually, Georgia was favored, but they kind of put a whooping on them at the end. It was a very close game. I tell you what, any football fans, the SEC is next level in talent, dude. Those those dudes are monsters. Big Ten. And Pac-12 and other big conferences, they got nothing on the SEC. I mean, nothing. I'm sure that thrills all okay, people. Okay, let's try this again. All right, do it, baby. So it's 69. Okay, so I'm going to start. <laughs> Very cool. That's our boy Taylor. They changed the, the, the everything around. Episode 69. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Frozen Joe. Frozen me because my ISP sucks. Hickman, a guy who made a living writing novels, wanting to turn his game experience into more of a narrative than emergent gameplay? You're kidding. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be a shock. But huh. And who cares? It's two different ways to play. It is. I have zero issue with it. Do what you yeah. want, man. Yeah. You can be story time if you want. Never roll a dice. Regarding Randy's comment about the meta plot, there's a difference between a meta plot and a railroad. A railroad implies that there's only one way to proceed one plot, one enemy, one adventure. A meta plot is different. A meta plot implies that there's something else going on in the background, independent of the party, that will come to pass if they don't prevent it. A railroad is about denying player agency. That's why a railroad is a bad thing in a gaming context. A metaplot is more world building. A metaplot is the understanding that the world is deeper than the cardboard facade in the background as the players are interacting with your current spotlight NPC. It can be a challenge for newer DMs to have both. However, there's a key easy way to determine which one you're running. Can the players keep playing can the campaign continue if they pick the wrong side or if they don't pick a side? If the answer is no, choo-choo. <laughs> That's a good – that's well done, Taylor. I agree. Definitely, definitely. And I think I do metaplots. I don't think I do railroads. You're a metaplot guy, yeah. I'm not very railroady. It's when – I have. Yeah. I've done it, but it's not my thing. And, and there's various levels of – Railroady, you can be light, railroad light, and yep. you can be railroad heavy. Where if you take, if you take a bearish fraction of a direction different from where where the DM is intending for you to go, you hit a hard no. And you can be railroad in the sense that you get agreement. The players are like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's play Pharaoh. We're down. Show us the hook. We're biting." Right. That's agreed upon railroad. So. Train rides can be fun. Yeah. Shadzar says, and Taylor, if you're when whenever you do listen to this, uh, a compliment. Shadzar says that caller needs to ASMR the phone book. 
on YouTube. What does that even mean? Get rich. ASMR is uh, okay. Have you heard? Well, you you hear Taylor. He has a very pleasant voice. He does. Yeah. He he doesn't normally go too high up or down either way. No. And uh, as uh, I can't remember what it stands for, the acronym ASMR, but essentially it's very soothing. So people listen to it to be soothed, soothed, oh, comforted. Yeah, Taylor does. I, I've always thought that Taylor has a very, very good voice for radio and. Yeah, he could be an NPR uh, guy. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah. He wouldn't even need to. They wouldn't even need to train him. They say, just go. Here's some. Here's some type. Here's money. Do it. Just talk. Here's money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So those are the call-ins, and we have an actually have we actually have a message a YouTube. Ooh that I want to go over as well. Sweet. Um, but we'll do that because it, it segues into our 13th age topic. Sweet. So we're going to do some um, um, articles. Yeah. Some cool. of them are, I will say, so-called because <laughs> for some reason, um, gaming reporters, quote unquote, really have a bad tendency to um, not write <laughs> put a lot of they t- they put a lot of pictures in their articles, but they don't really do much writing in there. So I'm going to share the first. Um, let's see. I'm going to share the f- the first article here. These are some interesting interesting ones Joe found, and I thought, and, and one's a little old, but they're still pretty cool. Yeah. Champions of the Realm, PvP. Yes. We did it before it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't call it that. We called it the arena. Um, because you know, we're not very inventive. No. We just called it what it was. We PvP, um, one-on-one teams, uh, for all, all that stuff versus monsters. Yep. Um, it's when we just didn't really care about what was going on. We just wanted to roll some dice and kick in some teeth. Yep. Do you think, and this is connected, I think third edition was perfect for that type of game. In it's a way, yeah. But competition. Yeah. I just, I don't think that, I think, well, I'm, I'm not sure if this is even true, but I, I had thought for a while that, PC powers were great to use against the monsters, but yeah. not against each other. Right. And they weren't designed that way. I'm not really sure if that's really true. I don't know if well, I get, I don't know how much design credit we should give to the folks that quote unquote designed the game. They just well, they have ideas for powers and they write them down and they right. test them out at the table. Um, they probably don't do a whole lot of PvP testing. I don't feel like because the build game is so strong. In third edition, that's my point. Yeah, I don't think the the build game is non-existent. Oh, it's not non-existent. It's practically non-existent in fourth edition. It's not much of a thing in second or first either. You don't really build it. You don't build characters. They come with these suite of abilities, and you might find magic items. Magic items matter in third too, but you can go feats. You can do a lot of feats and make a pretty awesome twentieth level fighter without a magic weapon. Yeah, do some pretty crazy stuff. Right. The only thing you had pre third edition was in second edition. You had the kits. That's about it. But that's suites of powers. Plop. Third edition yeah. is turn every knob, 
Yeah. You know, switch every dial. I mean, Alternate racial abilities and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. true. That's true. It was really but, intense. Well, for this article, they've got this new thing coming out uh, called Champions of the Realm. Star- it actually started on the 5th, according to this, um, on YouTube. Oh. Uh, on their on the Dungeons and Dragons YouTube, and I haven't watched it yet because no. I don't really, I'm not really all that interested. No, um, but that's what they're these quote unquote D and D famous people. There's yeah. some other famous, like the one chick was in Daredevil, and the dude was in Scream. Yeah, Matthew Lillard, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, so and he's he's probably a, you know he's a great actor. He can be real funny. Mm-hmm. And the one chick, she's pretty and all that, but yeah. she's a hardcore DM apparently. That's the rumor. Hardcore. Well, she's or into, she just DM into DMing. <laughs> into DMing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, right. So, I just thought it was interesting. This is a PvP thing, and uh, it, and it does highlight something that I hate about about D and D writers in yeah. these articles. Yeah, you have a paragraph, a picture. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you really call this a paragraph because it's just a bunch of name drops. So right. two paragraphs, or one one and a half paragraphs, and then pictures. Hmm. And then you're done. I mean, uh, it's really sad. Shadzar makes a claim here. If you take a look at this, he says, uh, "No, that's not it. That's okay." Matt owns part of Beetle and Grimm as well as Darrington Press with Critical Role. Okay, and this is the one I thought was interesting because it was more to our point here. Um, 4E was made for it, PvP, since 4E was designed off the back of D&D Miniatures Skirmish Wargame. I'll take your word for it because I've not seen 4E, but what little I've played, it didn't seem, and I guess there are builds to it. I just, I have no experience, so maybe it was even better than 3rd. But 3rd had so many things, so many ways you could build your character, so many subtle changes, that I just thought that was like the ideal game to do pvp in fact i thought tradition practically played the game without do without the dm you could by consensus follow the rules without a dm i mean if you just wanted to dungeon hack and or if you're gonna arena just fight i mean we didn't have a dm whenever we arena did we yeah we kind of did we kind of had a referee yeah the, 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 because the the arena was presented by a, a mm-hmm. dm kind of they ran it but uh when hey, Shad, when you're saying Shadzar, when you're saying uh, Matt owns part of Beale and Grimm, are you talking about Matthew Lillard? Or are you talking about Matt uh, from Critical Role? Yeah, Lillard owns part of Beale and Grimm. Oh, it may. Oh, right, he may own part. Of, oh, okay. I'm, I'm just wondering if he's talking about Matt from Critical Role or Lillard is Beetle. That's one of his. That's his big character. I watched the video. Oh. Mm-hmm. Matt Mer- okay. Matt Lillard has a character named Beetle. Okay. okay. Yo, Legion in the house. Bruce. Oh, Matt Mercer. Okay. Hello, Bruce and Legion of Myth. And I didn't say really say hello to to Darth. Sorry about that, Mr. Darth. Yeah. Missed you there, bud. Sorry. And Larry. I think yeah. I showed some of their posts, but yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, I just uh, apart from not being uh, even remotely interested in anything that the D- D- Dungeons and Dragons brand produced. Frozen Joe, you're right. I just, Bruce, yeah. I did my homework because I'm a teacher. I yeah. it and I do it. <laughs> yeah. I might watch it just so I can say something intelligent about it. Like it sucks because it, it may not suck. It might be 
engaging and entertaining after a fashion uh, because, you know, these are actors and they might be doing a little bit more than rolling dice. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Well, you know, I just I, think it's more the article. I mean, it's not really an article. It's here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think it's clear exactly what's going on. If I'm a if I'm an only if I'm a gamer adjacent, if I'm a critical role watcher but not a player, and I saw that, I'd be like, Matthew Lillard and that lady are gonna fight in their character. Right, right. They, I had to really look in there because it, it looked like at first that they might be trying to say that this is some kind of um, uh, one-on-one fighting, but then they were like, oh, it's a, it says game. Right. So it definitely says game. And yeah. I, because I'm like, why? they're actors, so none of them, they're actors. So you why would they think, want to watch actors fight? That would, be, that would be boring. You would think the article writer would say something like, just for people that are reading, they're each going to take their favorite character into an arena in the game, and they're going to have one-on-one combat using D&D rules. And they're going to be, you know, playing their character, combating another one. Right. So um, I'm sure it'll be a lot of like posing and, you know, being all actory and trying to sound cool. But who knows? Maybe it'll be competitive. I mean, in, in the end, I don't care. It's a fine thing to do if you want to do it. I think it's for charity. Uh, like I said, we, we got our fill of that with our arena slash Elysium game at CabinCon. Yes. But I understand those that might like it. Okay, Next. Apparently, um, oh, this was this, this is all, but definitely worth talking about. Uh, currently, a, 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 a phony job was omitted from the credits of uh, the Strixhaven book, mm-hmm. cultural consultant, which is a phony job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure she got paid for it, but yeah, he they apologized. And all that stuff. <laughs> well, you know, the left have to have to kiss each other's butt, so it sounds good. Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos. Dude, did you read the little snippet at the end when they talk about what it's about? How they describe playing in that in that game? Oh yeah, it's totally boring. <laughs> oh my god, beyond stupid. Right. RPG pundit had a good uh, comment on that this week. Yeah. What Strixhaven says about yes, uh, and again and again. So picture, big picture. Mm-hmm. At least this one has a bit more to it. It actually tells you what's going on. Yeah. And then an excerpt, a couple paragraphs, embedded video paragraph. Mm-hmm. It's not much of an article, but it's it's better because it actually tells you it gives you something to go on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it. it um, I guess what I would have done perhaps is even go into what a cultural consultant does mm-hmm. been useful in this article. But since oh. they, they don't do anything except say, that's racist, take it out. <laughs> I was going to say, Joe, you could do that. That'd be yeah, I can do that. That's I don't racist. even, yeah. That's racist. No. Yeah, that's a whole lot. That was a whole lot of I don't care. I had to push myself to get through that article. Right, right, right. Um, so. On a side note, did you see, uh, did you catch DM Bloodsworth review of Giant Slam? No, I've been meaning to watch it, but I have not. You mean, okay, I won't spoil it for you then. There's a part no, of it. No, no. Um, I I know that he made one, and yeah. I saw his. he had a blurb after it. Yeah. In kind of a, um, what's that little acronym? Um, well, anyway, basically the synopsis or his, his conclusion, perhaps. Yeah. 
which wasn't uh, exactly glowing. Can I, you mean spoil part of you want to wait and watch it all yourself? There's one part we have to talk about that I thought was just phenomenally dumb. Go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> and this, and Dan Bloodworth did a great job. It's not, it's, he talked and he even said this made him cringe. Um, there's a part where they start describing how a player, if they come with a mask on, not, not a, not, not a cop, not a coof mask, but a, oh yeah. Uh, but a mask, like in character mask, if you're a, a duck, a duck man, you wear a duck mask, you get, you yeah, get bonuses yeah. to your stats. Yeah. yeah. If you wear a costume, you get bonuses across the board to all your stats. <sighs> <laughs> that is like the lamest, weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, I agree with Bruce. I've never, I didn't know who Tanya DePass was. So, can I just give you a box of donuts or 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 a case of pop? I don't want to wear a dumb costume, but get the same benefit. That's what I would say. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Kind of beyond stupid. But what you gonna do? Oh, she's in one of, look at this. Check this what? out before we leave. She's in one of uh, his videos. Huh. Who's she? This uh, lady that's in this? Yeah, the one that got skipped over in the credits, and now they're bending over backwards to kiss her patootie. Because, because heaven forbid, someone's feelings get a little hurt. They'll, they'll send their Twitter mob after you, and then someone will get fired. Because, because Watsy is nutless dude bruce could totally play in my game look at that <laughs> i'm gaining a level you know it baby that's got to be um the name is failing me who the game the game that he's talking about um hackmaster that's got to be hackmaster <laughs> okay. That sounds some, like some version of Hackmaster. Right. All right. So um, we have a third article, and this one I think is actually a decent article. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> so this was interesting. I even checked on the on the qualifieds of that PhD guy. The conclusions that this uh, article reaches are not going to be surprising to anybody who has a couple of brain cells that are rubbing together and they use them actually. <laughs> Munchkin. Oh yeah. Munchkin. Okay. Thank you, Bruce. But uh, that was my second guess. Ah, okay. Um, so, over in Bounding Into Comics, which is a good uh, website that uh, you can get some decent reads out of instead of just, here's the thing, um, type yep. of uh, um, RPG reporting. And they don't bend uh, the knee. No. So um, according to a, psycho a college psychology professor, which is surprising considering the state of psychology on in the academy these days. I was going to say, considering his discipline, I'm kind of shocked. Yeah, the discipline at, at, at all and on campus. Um, and that they let him do research <laughs> like this against some kind of um, lefty narrative. Anyway, 
uh, and the great, you know, the best thing what is you don't know from the article that whether this guy is a lefty or not. Huh? It's almost like he's like a teacher who doesn't feel the need to like shove his own personal viewpoints down his teacher, his students throat. How cool. Yes. Yeah. So the article in question is bounding into comics, psychology professor, Chris Ferguson on campus to room on campaign to remove slavery from TTRPGs. Quote, I don't see evidence that it will actually help anyone, unquote. So it's a fairly long article. It probably wouldn't be a great idea for us to um, read a bunch from it. But um, there are some good snippets. But there are some good snippets. Um, um, as we just read that. Um, There's one place where he makes the comment that when they say, well, you could just put it back in if you want to. And he's like, well, you could also just take it out if you want to. Right. You know, it's like, well, why does it got to change the whole game? I mean, I'm sorry, Eric Mona doing that officially with Paizo because some one dude, one snowflake commented on it, I think was some kind of designer or whatever. It's like, that's just that is so weird. Paizo literally taking slavery out of all their products. I mean, right. I think this is pretty um, pertinent as well. Um, Ferguson stated. Because Ferguson has a Medium article uh, that um, I probably should link as well, but it's linked in in this, I believe, in this article. Mm-hmm. So, um, in that Medium article, which references his his um, his study that he did, uh, first let's make an obvious distinction: if Pathfinder were portraying slavery as something that happened only to black people, or portrayed slaves as happy or deserving their condition, this would be explicitly racist and deserving of condemnation. But this is not. Indeed, slavery is portrayed as evil and brutal, he clarified. Role-playing systems are generally pretty open, allowing players a free range of choices of how to behave. But the core rulebook explicitly suggests players be prohibited from owning slaves or promoting from slavery. So, I mean, that being the case, why? Yeah. What's the big deal? And uh, I know I don't think D and D. I don't know about fifth edition. Any of the rule books in fifth edition saying anything about it, but um, the first, second, and third edition had no opinion on it one way or the other. Uh, but evil was called evil, and I'm 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 sure slavery falls in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bruce said he's adding more slavery and patriarchy to his games. I think that's a good idea. Might as well. Oh, Shadzar makes a good point. Called me out here. He said, oh, please, Randy. Paizo was always woke. It has had a clause that you must include safe spaces in your game for years. Um, yeah, they, I wouldn't say the clause was written in the book, though, dude. Pathfinder 1E, I don't remember that. But you're not wrong. They've been super woke pretty much forever. You're right. Wrong. Right, so... Go read that article. It's really a really good it's article. Really good, yeah. um, it actually has more than five words mm-hmm. and presents. Uh, it really does present both sides of the argument, though falls on the nothing needs to be done. Don't nothing's broke. Don't fix it. Um, it's really not helping anybody. He also even notes in there that there's evidence showing that um, for on campus people when trigger warnings 
are included in something, it increases their anxiety. It doesn't lessen it. Correct. So, so doing that kind of stuff in the game just makes it probably makes things more worse than better. Good job, Bruce. It's a good it's a good website. You should definitely subscribe to them. Yes. Yep. And while we're on the topic, subscribe. <laughs> Bam. Sweet. All right. Right, cool. I really need to make my own subscribe button, but it was there, so I just yeah. Yeah, I grabbed it, and it looks nice. Yeah. All right, so one more thing before we get into the main topic. Yeah. Um, let's see, where is it? At. Yes, um, on Twitter, uh, there was – the reason this uh, topic even popped up is because Aaron the Pedantic – on Twitter said, should I, it's 13th age, should I give it a try? And um, another account on Twitter said, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I'd like to hear from Biggest Geekest because they apparently like it, but hate 5th edition, and I'd like to know why, essentially. So mm-hmm. after posting that, yeah, that's going to be our topic. Thank you for giving us a topic for the week. Yep. Um, the other account other than uh, Aaron the Pedantic, uh, Pedantry in Motion. So yeah, um, if uh, you are, uh, he said he wasn't going to be able to catch the live stream. Oh, okay. So hopefully he will catch for future ones. Yes. Um, he, he had a message. Um, I hope you talk a bit about how two guys are so into the OSR and early D&D editions can also like a game like 13th Age and why you like it, but hate 4th Edition. Because we're flipping nuts. That's why. <laughs> well, 13th Age didn't call itself D&D. That, that's a big one. That's not a big one for me. Um, I'll be honest with you. After playing 13th Age, I felt a little guilty about liking it and hating 4th Edition. And it may be what Joe just said, that it didn't call itself D&D. It was uh, a separate game. I, I, I wouldn't have said that my, I would have said that before listening to Legion of Myth a lot because, but because I think that as a, um, that's something that I did perhaps, um, okay. I don't know what that means, but it's funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, uh, but I think it was more subconscious. Yeah. And so a game that's kind of any kind of D20 based game, well, you, 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 you um, play it and you accept it for what it is. But when D and D screws things up for itself, Wizards of the Coast does it. Well, uh, frozen. that's a different story. Well, dude, let's, let's dig into this for a minute. This is good before we get into it. Aaron asked a really good question. I think let's go back Let us travel back to the transition time between 3.5 and 4th edition. And I remember a group of guys in Michigan who were at their very first cabin con. And we were like, oh, man, it's 4th edition time. We got a million 3rd edition books. And most of us were like, most of us were like, and you too, bring it on. Right? That's what we were, Joe. We were like, mm-hmm. bring fourth edition on. I was reading the little snippets in Dragon. I'm like, I like that change. I like this. This sounds good. That sounds good. But when it rolled out, besides being very hard to read, the books were 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe Max at uh, uh, Legion of Myth. Legion of Myth would like fourth edition because it does read like a game manual, direction manual. Uh, Joe likes to famously say he couldn't help but fall asleep when he read the book. And there, I, neither one of us got through the player's handbook. Um, I was put off by their attitude toward the folks that played third edition. They had some really crappy videos where they made fun of, oh, your old edition sucks, and we got the cool bee's knees. Um, and when the game came out, it just, and whether it was or not, it felt more like a board game or a cart, or a board game, or a, you know maybe a miniature battle game more than even third edition did. And I was very put out by them. Um, and so we moved on to Paizo because they supported our version of the game with the Pathfinder game in 3.5. And then somewhere along the line, we lost interest in that. 13th Age came out. It was written by Rob Hainsu, who did one of the architects of 4E and uh, Hainsu, sorry, and Jonathan Tweet, one of the architects of 3rd Edition. And I was like, this sounds interesting. I started listening to some of their chat on their on their website, and I got in and got a free PDF. And next thing you know, I'm like, it's very evocative. Unlike fourth edition, it's a very evocative book. It reads, and when you read it, you're like, dude, I'd like to be in an adventure where I'm on the back of a gigantic coral behemoth, you know? And um, it just sounded very exciting. It was more approachable. Hey, Baron G-Rock. Um, I think that um, it had some mechanics that felt more, more like third edition. It had different defenses, it had three defenses, kind of like um, fourth edition, but in a way that I think is neater. We'll talk about those. And again, it was just rich and it sounded fun, but there's no doubt it's got a lot of 4E elements. It's not the type of game Joe and I would probably say, You, at first blush, you would not go, these guys love 13th Age, you know, but it's got a lot of indie elements that we enjoyed. And after we played it a while, it wore thin. And we got a little tired of it, but it's in the rotation. It's something, it's a quick and easy version of D&D, not D&D, but a D&D-like game, D20 rolling game is what they call it, that I think uh, is easy to pick up. And it's fun. And it's high action, high octane, super powerful adventures. And they're out to kick butt and take names. And so it scratches an itch. Whereas 4th edition just seemed like, from what I had heard, it sounds like it was more of a slog. Just like 3rd edition, mid, mid to high level 3rd edition, High level for sure can get really slow. I heard fourth edition was even slower. So in the end, um, I think it was a combination of tired of Pathfinder, tired of 3.5, really pissed off at what fourth edition did and how Watsy rolled it out. And 13th Age, they just made it sound fun. And as we'll talk about it, a lot of really fun ideas in the book that sound cool. Uh, but it is definitely far away from the OSR. Yeah. the uh, I think a lot of things happened in that era which was um, the things that pushed us away from third and then Pathfinder was the volume of source material that made the game, not the base game, but perhaps uh, the game in general, because uh, it, a little unplayable because of so many things. Yeah. Um, the base game was say a, and then once all of the source material came out, you had uh, not a, any, it wasn't the same. It wasn't really the same game anymore. You could just say, "I'm not using that stuff," and you still had your old game, and you have to worry about it, I suppose. But that happened with third edition. That happened with Pathfinder. It's beginning to happen with fifth edition, which is why sixth edition is coming around because these guys don't learn. No. Don't do that. If you're going to do that, 
and I will credit. Um, did you want to talk about this? What's that? A little bit, Bruce's comment, or did you just? No, I, I want to kinda. Um, Bruce here said the standard of any game will always be for me, but will it let me run Tolus in it? I'm going to answer that question when we get to the actual description of 13th Age, and I'm going to say a resounding yes. It would even let me run Planescape in it. Sure. 100%. Sure. Perfectly, actually. So, right. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Because yes. of its open-ended nature. I but, think because of the icons. Yeah, the icons. But, yeah, um, none of these, these game designers don't take the cue from Palladium to contain their extraneous non-base uh, non-core material into world books and that solves the glut problem because yep. i mean um palladium has at least as much glut as third edition but it's contained it's contained within source books yeah individual source books that you can that are um that are self-contained world books at least they did that with rifts. And if you take it that way, and Legion of Myth brought this um, idea to my head, yeah. that would probably solve it. Because then um, if, if you had all these furries that people wanted to play on a, on one homeworld called Furry World, and you, okay, we're going to play Furry World today, not not just D&D. We're going to play Furry World today. Okay, we'll do that. Yep. Or whatever. It would probably... Uh, solve some issues there. Strixhaven, and you can be off doing your own Strixhaven. Crap. Yeah, these are Strixhaven things. These yep. aren't base D and D things. These are just Strixhaven. Just keep it all within. But Strixhaven didn't do that. It's just a set of adventures. I think uh, Darth Theok made a little comment on my D twenty rolling game, which was a quote from uh, Heinsu and tweet. Rolling, rolling, my butt is swollen, rawhide. <laughs> Feel you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, also, uh, so essentially, we like Thirteenth Age because it's own, its own thing. Yep, it's not D and we came to the, uh, OSR afterwards after probably being a little bit disillusioned from Thirteenth Age, just kind of yeah. tired of it. It was feeling um, too new school, and OSR drew. So, yeah, too new was. school. The some of the um, new age or uh, indie elements of it that we initially were like, oh, this sounds cool. After playing it for a while, we're like, oh, not so cool. Um, comment, Joe, before we keep going, bud. Um, do you have Tolus? Me? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Bruce said he'd like to see a review of Tolus. I do have a PDF. I paid for a PDF copy, and I have a hard copy. If you want to borrow one of those and we study Tolus up, we can do a review of that. Hey, you don't need that hard copy anymore. <laughs> You're trying to get rid of stuff anyway. You can just slide that over this way. That's all right, sir. I'll keep that one. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for your offer, though. It seems reasonable to me. But, yeah, Joe makes a good point. I think our we got worn down with 13 days and come back. To, and to say we're back with the OSR, we're enjoying experimenting with the OSR games and Mudsword, but Mudsword's going to make a big turn. Joe and I are probably in the end of the, at the end of the day – OSR adjacent. How do you say it, Joe? We like the feel of the OSR. If not the rules specifically. If not the rules. We're kind of down with a little more, a little, little more modern rules. Yeah. Not super indie. Yeah, because you look at the old rules and there's some nostalgia there, but there's also some you don't yeah, like that, in, don't like this, that. don't like that. And that's that's personal um, yeah. uh, choices and whatnot. 
I'm not poo-pooing the entire game of D&D because that's the game. Okay. The- yeah, I got to ask. I got to post this one. What does it say here? Uh, Chad's are. Do you know what this is? What is a yiffing party? I don't know. Okay. Is that, is that a, a race of some kind? <laughs> so it's not cosplaying. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, Pete Entry Motion goes on to say he wants to share some thoughts on the semi-recent episode about genres, especially horror, but that'll he'll, that'll be a separate message. So we're going to get more more feedback, which is good. We like feedback. I believe uh, Powderpuff Nerd is starting a uh, GoFundMe for Joe so he can obtain a copy of Tolus. Yes, uh, it'd be great to have enough money to enough spare cash to afford Tolus, but <laughs> I will usually I will actually probably spend it on something else. Right, like a big TMF something wor- something worthwhile. A big TMF figure, yeah, I understand. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, if I was going to get it like secondhand, then yeah. that'd be all right. There, okay. There's folks I don't want to support financially, and that's me maybe be being a little bit petty, but that's just that's just where we're at. I found a copy at Gen Con several years back at halfpricebooks.com for a hundred bucks. That's why I have Tolus. Oh, okay. Uh, then I would do something like that if it's still if it's still out there. Ha <laughs> ha, Bruce! Look at this. I got the colossal red baby. He said, "That's a lot of GoFundMe. Go for broke and wait till you have enough for the colossal red." Yeah, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, Randy has that. He does. Randy has a colossal red. He is. I'm, I'm, is I'm actually a colossal red. I'm colossal plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Referring to his red hair and for my, those who don't know. And what my he looks girth. Like. My girth. And his uh, red freckles. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, what is this? I'm sorry to keep breaking. If you are looking at HTE, what's that? Secondhand is a, what's HTE? The. I think he just misspelled the. Of of Tolis? No. Well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it's fi- if it's over five hundred bucks, whoa. Yeah, Joe. I'm not paying for that. Yeah, Joe's never gonna. Someone happen. else can. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy sauce. Okay. Um, shall we move into the? Main topic? Yes, and uh, just before we start the new topic, um, just a programming note here uh, for all you folks out there who are are, are uh, busy in the chat land, which we appreciate. Yeah. Uh, we are going to plow into our um, topic and not stop until we are done with it. Then we will get back into chat. So please keep on commenting. Yep. Uh, we but. Um, if we uh, stop for every five seconds for a, a chat comment that is good, yeah. we won't get done with our topic. So we'll, get, we'll do our topic, then we'll get back into chat. So let's do lots of good chats. It's also good for the folks out there who are just listening, who are like, get on with it, get on with Come it, on. do the thing. Yeah. All right. So we are talking tonight about 13th Age. This is part one of how, we don't know how many we're going to do. Right. But tonight we're talking about 13th Age, the game uh, released by... Rob Heinsu and Jonathan Tweet, and um, the name of the company... Pelgrane Press. Pelgrane Press. Um, they have a lot of games out there. Yep. And while they, t- you know, for those of us, for those of you out there who are wondering, they do lean a little bit into Wokeland. Yep. But not so much in their games. I mean, there's probably some pronoun issues in there 
that I that I never picked up on. Uh, but they do assign genders to <clears throat> to certain people, so they refer to them properly once they do that. Yeah, one one of their writers is pretty annoying the way he he slash she likes to write, but it's it's still good stuff. And that writer actually does really good adventures, and I and I buy their stuff. I'm not too put out by them as long as they're not telling me how to talk. I don't care too much. Right, and the, uh, as far as I know, the the authors don't uh, do that, and I haven't seen any kind of information from Pelgrain in that way, but I don't visit their website often because I didn't want to see it probably. Yeah. And their <laughs> books, yeah. And uh, uh, I think 13 Age is a $50 book roughly, but just like there's a D20 system reference document, there is an Archmage engine online yeah. where you can see the nuts and bolts, uh, the non-proprietary information on 13th Age. So just look up the Archmage, Archmage engine. I think Archmage engine is that Archmage or Archmage? Which way is correct? Is Depends it on if you're American or British, probably. Okay. Well, whatever. I've heard both. I've heard okay. both. So anyway, yeah, you can check it out for free and get a little PDF. I'm give you the. I think you can get a PDF. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But it's the nuts and bolts, like the D20 reference document and things. Yeah. And because it's a D, it's a D20 game, I believe they use the um. System, not system reference document. What is that? OGL. It's an OGL based game. Yeah. yeah and uh, so it's um, similar to D and D in that it has levels and classes. You roll a D twenty. Mm-hmm. It uses a lot of the same lingo, mm-hmm. um, but presented in slightly different fashion. So it, it has wizard, fighter, rogue, barbarian, all the things you're familiar with from D and D, but presented differently. Um, instead of one to 20, it's one to 10. And instead of starting with zero to hero, you start out somewhat capable and end up epic. And, uh, each level gained is more like two or three in the 20th, 20 level, um, um, range. So, uh, by at second level, you're more like a third or fourth level character and so forth. And the 10 level span, Joe is not a fan of that, but I, I kind of enamored of a game that has a shorter span, Joe, of levels, mainly because I think I imagine envision, dude, I'm actually going to complete a campaign from one to ten, from one to the end, right? That, I, I think that there's I understand that, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, <clears throat> I think mainly because of our busy adult. Oh, ISP time, baby. ISP sucks. Um, our uh, busy adult life keeps us from playing as much as we might want to. Uh, six, eight hours or more at a pop um, weekly. Uh, then then um, 10 levels, would you would get to 10 levels pretty rapidly. Yeah. Um, and and uh, open-ended or 20 level or maybe 36 levels from the Beckme set yeah. would be more reasonable. So I get that. Plus, you know. My dogs are messing yeah, with dog just came in. He's messing with Joe's door. I would also say they have an organized play like Pathfinder Society and the old RPG A uh, Society, um, an adventure league called Tales of the 13th Age. They did have it. I think it's now defunct. They had two seasons. Uh, you can cheaply get a bunch of short adventures through them. I do think they're a little weak. Um, lots of uh, free stuff available through a couple of fan sites. Joe will put the links down there. I think. Tales of the 13th Age and Vault of the 13th Age are two of the bigger ones and better ones. And then, of course, Pelgrane Press itself has some good supplemental 
mental materials, like lots of pre-gens you can find for free, more than a handful of adventures. Uh, and then, of course, tons of supplements. So, yeah, it's lots of free support. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. All right. Shall we go about, I mean, uh, talk about the layout or you want to do it? You can do that. Layout and look. Okay, so the here's the put a picture up here again. I'm working on getting the camera that's overhead so you can see it closer. This is the 13th age book itself. I pointed out earlier today. I think it's got it's a colored pages on the inside, uh, some line art. It does have. I think the art has some splash pages that while they're not super detailed, I don't know if you guys can see this real well. Uh, it's really neat. That's the Archmage himself. Um, it has a nice cover. Shows some adventurers fighting off what I believe are lizard men. Pretty cool uh, set of fighting there. Uh, a scene of fighting. I really enjoy it. I think it's a pretty book. The map is pretty on the inside cover. Uh, I do have an actual physical copy of the actual map. They made some stuff later on. Uh, it's about 321 pages or so. Uh, I do think it's not, even our buddy Philip and some of the others have commented, it's not terribly well well laid out because you do a lot of flipping or they'll, they'll talk about stuff. When you get this talent, you haven't even talked about talents yet. What are you talking about? You know, I got a little confused trying to figure out their feet system, but we'll talk about the mechanics just because of the layout. You're flipping back and forth to find information sometimes. Um, I think it would benefit from a second edition, but one that was just a cleanup second edition, not a real right. change. For editing and real whatnot. Real editing, a real good pass for editing and organization. Um, there is a pretty good index. Okay. I love all the charts at the back, though. Um, they have the repeated character sheet at the back. They have all important charts on like all the icons. We'll talk about them. They've got... Uh, uh, the monster, and, and they're really big on do do yourself. But I'll talk more about a monster segment. Do it yourself monsters, and so I, I do think um, it's solid. Near the, it's it's a solid book, and uh, yeah, it, it's not bad, but it could use a revision of the book itself. I would love to see a deluxe revision. I would right. kickstart that. If there's one thing that's a throwback to older editions, it's monster design. I think because yeah. monsters are not built like characters. Nope. And characters can't get the monster abilities. Monsters don't generally have the character abilities. So there's there's a little overlap, but not much. Um, and that's that's how it's presented, and that's good. I don't. I think one of the complaints about third edition is a monster uh, stat blocks are really big. You have to figure out all the little bitty details and stuff like that. And why should you make a, a monster like a character? And after a while, I, I think I don't. Randy, I know you came to that conclusion, and yeah. I did too. Well, you shouldn't do that. They don't have great art for monsters. In fact, I would say they have sucky monsters. Yeah. But they have a huge blue dragon here. Um, I don't know if you can see it. It's not. Oh, I'm not. It's not even a page. Okay, right over here. It's not even a page long. Because and this is a total BA dragon, and it's mm-hmm. like one side, one column on a on a yeah, half a column. Yeah, half a column. So it's really impressive. And you can just, you literally, unlike a third edition where, like, you know, some DMs say, well, I just flip the monster menu open and run the monster. I hate to do that, but I can do that easily in 13th age. Take about 15 seconds. Oh, yep, this is a far slashing, lightning breath, plus 16. There's his defenses, boatload of hit points, plus 16 to attack. Let's do it. And usually once you see one one bonus, like plus 16, almost all of its attacks are within one or two of plus 16. So right. It's really, it's not bounded accuracy, but they've done some, the math is pretty, 
Not that this is a big bonus, but the math is tight in the game. It's pretty pretty well uh, oil machine. But we're getting down to mechanics. We need to get to correct. I just figured that was that was a a way to differentiate and say what one of the reasons why we liked it. Yeah, yeah. We both like we both mentioned that as a big selling point when we when we initially got into it. Very familiar. It sounded like, and here's where it sounded like third edition. When I looked at it, it was like third edition rules, but with some of the cool stuff we liked that they announced fourth edition would be, and then disappointed us handily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll talk more about the mechanics next time. Yeah, we're not getting into too much mechanics. We're uh, we're going to be talking about the icons, mm-hmm. the setting, and the tone of the game. Yep. Uh, and then we'll get into more mechanics later because. Uh, if you're not going to like the tone or the setting, you probably, or I guess you, if you like the mechanics, you can probably SU all the rest. You could, you, you could, could do your own tone and setting. So, but tonight's tone and setting. Yep. Yes. So the setting is um, the um, Dragon Empire mm-hmm. and the icons, which make it tick. And uh, the icons uh, start their definition on page twelve. Can I share? Game. You mean to share my PDF, or do you? Have yes, it? do that. Let me see here. Uh, so I don't have it loaded. Share screen. Uh, then it says sharing tips. Okay, share screen. Uh, You're watching Mr. Nichols become more tech savvy in real time. Is it not happening? You're not seeing the... Hey, I see crap in front of me now. Choose mm-hmm. what to share. Oh. Yeah. Uh, uh, window. There we go. And share. Look at... Ah, you can do it. Oh, shoot. Sorry. And I can screw it up. Okay. So if you look here, uh, let me, people, so they can see it. Where is the quick list? No, here we go. Um, The icons. So who are these dudes, Joe? These are the uh, two, two, four, six, eight, 13. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just making sure. Uh, Who are these dudes? Who are these they, icons? They are the the high level, uh, not in character level, but um, they are the movers movers and shakers in a big way in this in this in this uh, campaign setting. Uh, everything depends on the actions and decisions of the thirteen the thirteen icons um, to as much or to as little effect that the DM wants to use them. Yeah. So, nobody's being uh having their nobody's having their wrists tied behind their back you can use any of these or none of these Mm -hmm. but they evoke a lot of flavor in the game you can just have them in the background and Uh, and they're called they're called icons because archetypes yeah they're archetypes there's almost every world has an archmage you know an elminster almost every world has uh the diabolus this great demon summoner almost everyone has the dwarf king and the elf queen or some variant or the high druid and they just use archetypical names they literally don't give them names at all because right. they need that to you if you think it's important do it if not don't right. they're not gods they're just really powerful mortals who have a lot of influence in the world and characters tend to get caught up in their machinations you know, I didn't think that they gave powers out like gods, but according to some of their descriptions, they do. So um, you What's can. So the um, the great gold worm, yes. if you're a paladin, you can be a paladin of the great gold worm. Yes. And gain your paladin abilities from him instead of from following like 
some uh, lawful good deity. Well, they do discuss, and let me uh, do it. I don't know if we're, are we going to read all these or not. Well, we're going to go through each one of them. So, okay. uh, how about how about um, alternate? I, yeah, we can alternate. The, I'll start, start with up. the archmage. Yeah. The Archmage has preserved the empire for centuries and created astonishing new lands. He has also threatened the fabric of reality with experiments you'd have to be brilliant or hugely arrogant to attempt. Okay, yeah. So I, I love the Archmage. Um, I'm running a campaign, quotations. That's a campaign at Cabin Con. Uh, we started at level one, I think, with these characters. I took them to about level five. I ended one campaign and ported them to the Dragon Empire. It was all 13th Age rules. And they were playing in, my, in a campaign setting of my own design where I had my own icons. And now they're embroiled in something that's very much connected to the Archmage. He is a prime uh, originator, antagon, not antagon, yeah, antagonist, sort of, a big, a big big time back you know behind the scene pc and what's going on and we'll be tackling more of that when we go to cabin con this year and the characters are about seventh level which puts them 70 percent through the levels that are listed in the game uh what do you think of the archmage in general what's your thoughts joe oh archmage see the thing is they're they're such uh high level con conceptual yeah. beings yeah uh, that they all serve their purpose. The Archmage gives a lot of flavor to the world through, um, well, we can, when we get more into depth, because yeah. once we do the, the blurbs here, mm -hmm. each one is treated with not, I mean, it's a full page in the book, but it's really not that much text. So yeah. we can go through them pretty rapidly, but the Archmage is just like all of them. They're very, it's very evocative of the setting. Yeah, and we had a bit of a problem in our own group, and we'll go more into this when we get to relationship points in the uh, discussion for mechanics, where a lot of folks were saying, I pray to the Crusader, I pray to the Archmage, and like, they're not deities, not really, though, like you said, the Gold Worm has a little exception. So I'll take the Crusader. He's an armored fist of the dark gods. So long as followers of the gods of light stay the hell out of his way, the Crusader turns his wrath against the demons that will destroy the world his, the world his own gods want to rule. Follow the Crusader if you must win at any cost. I kind of like how they have little snippets in there. And they have, you know, if we went to detail to the, the next few pages, they give each one a full page review, a splash page, and they tell sort of some of the statements that they have. Um, but, yeah, the Crusader is very interesting. He guards things called, called hell holes in the world, which are basically access points for demons, and there's a lot of them. So he tries to shut them down and control them. Right. The Diabolist, or Diabolist, controls fiends and tampers with forces even the Archmage avoids. She likes her victims screaming and her chaos pure while claiming that the demons she summons would otherwise overwhelm the great gold worm who seals the abyss. There are two differences between her and her, and her demons. First, she likes keeping destruction personal rather than universal. Second, she's capable of kindness, so long as it comes as a great surprise. She can be surprisingly kind. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. I was nice to you, but only to screw you. I gave you this keep, but guess what? It was actually once a hellhole, and it's starting to crack back open. Guess you're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> and if you take care of that hellhole and close it, the the um, um, champion, is it a champion? The one right above 
Crusader. The Crusader might have some words with you because that's his job. Or he might recruit you if you do a good job. Oh, uh, that's not the way he reads. Well, it depends. I mean, it all depends on your interpretation. These are pretty sure. wide open, as you can tell. So the DM could do a lot of stuff with that. Dwarf King, Lord of the Forge, Dwarf's new homeland beneath the mountains. He'd love to reclaim the Dwarven underhome, lost to war against the Dark Elves and the creatures of the deeps. But now that the Empire is stumbling, the Dwarves find themselves manning the mountain walls that shield the Empire from the orcs and monsters of the north. Right. The Elf Queen rules the Court of Stars, the one place where Wood Elves, Dark Elves, and High Elves come together as peers and allies instead of rivals or enemies. Honed by centuries of experience, the queen's innate magic at least equals, at least equals the archmage's spells. The emperor rules the world's greatest human kingdom, known as the Dragon Empire, the setting of the world for the mounts of its mightiest. It should be from the mounts of its mightiest warriors. All the signs suggest that the age is turning, but will the empire fall or shift to a new balance? see here. Help you out? Go ahead. The Great Gold Worm is the world's protector and the inspiration for holy orders of paladins and independent heroes. Although the Gold Worm's physical form seals the gap that prevents the abyss from erupting into the world, his dreams and the agency employs still move through the world, helping those who will fight and even die for what's right. That is one of the coolest there is. This, this dragon's literally trapped in a rift holding back demons from bursting through the abyss. Yes, so. it entered voluntarily. Yeah, and if you're wondering, if you come from a Planescape background like me, you would chuff at the idea of the abyss and hell holes being the same thing or connected, but they are. <laughs> They're actually, in another book, they talk about devils. They're super cool and very different than what you normally would see in a D&D type setting. They're very interesting. Sorry, just had to get that little comment there. Uh, the High Druid is the champion of the resurgent wild and the spiritual and magical leader of spirits of nature and the elements that were chained by the Empire but are now working themselves free. She might be the great force that shakes the Empire to pieces or the hero, hero who destroys the destroyers and points to a new way to live. The Lich King is the Lord of the Undead, a fallen tyrant who intends to conquer the Dragon Empire and restore his ancient kingdom. He's not entirely insane and mostly understands that ruling a kingdom is not the same as destroying it. Yeah. That's nice. That is nice of him. He's mostly okay. The Orc Lord is a figure of legend. The last time he walked the land, the Lich King fell, in part because of the Orc Lord's attack. Who will fall before his hordes this time? Who won't? So the idea is, right, there's these different ages, and we're in the 13th when the game starts. If you play the default setting, there's been different ages. And these are the icons now. There's been different icons before. And uh, if you're interested, there is a book called The Book of Ages that describes other icons other than these 13. Not to mention you could create your own. Question. Am I moving this? Can you see me move this, uh, the PDF around? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. I mean, I can we I can we I can tell that you are moving it. I can see your cursor and everything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't know, so I don't want to be too crazy. And go ahead, your turn. Right. The priestess hears all the gods of light and speaks for those who please her. She is part oracle, part mystic, and part metaphysical engineer since she created the cathedral. 
and ever-expanding temple with rooms or entire wings for each of the fades she favors. The Prince of Shadows is part thief, part trickster, and part assassin. To some, he is a hero. To others, a villain. He has squandered the riches of the dwarves, murdered the hopes of a dragon, and plundered, plundered the dreams of a god. His exploits have changed the world, but none can tell you his ultimate goals or motives. That's one icon I've not done much with, you know? Is, right. I think he's cool, but I'm kind of a little leery to get into that. Well, they kind of have two agents of chaos the Prince of Shadows and the Diabolist. So um, yeah. that is, it yeah, is what it is. He's a little more about the, the bling, the cast. She's more about the chaos. Right. The three were among the first dragons to walk the world. The red is a living engine of destruction. The blue is a sorceress, perhaps even the original mother of all sorcery. The black is queen of shadows and assassins. Unlike the great gold worm who must fight alone, the three have learned to join forces. They do use uh, the standard uh, chrome, chromatic dragon colors. Mm -hmm. um, they, however, uh, in their history in the standard world, the green dragon was either slain or captured by the elf queen. Mm -hmm. And these are like the iconic representations of dragons. And the white was actually slain by the Lich King, I believe. So, Something like that. Yeah. So there are those five, but there is no there is no sort of iconic leader of the white, not in the standard setting. No iconic leader of the green. So there is the three. Uh, there used to be the five. So they kind of had and they're not a single dragon. They're different dragons. So not a, not a Tiamat like figure. Right. Yeah. So. um I think it's really neat. The next couple of pages, um, unless you want to, I was just going to point out that like, here's an example of, this might be too big. Uh, can we see, can you see that better now? Let's see. Yeah. Um, this is a overview of the art mage himself. Um, he has a, they have these quotes. They give you usual locations, common knowledge about him, what most folks know, his enemies and allies, uh, how the adventurers might be connected to him. Um, and then they talk a little about his history, tiny bit. I, I love the true danger statement for all the icons. Right. Does that get you really thinking? That and his quote. Well, you're part, you're, here's one of his quotes. Your pardon, but this is the moment you burst into flames. Fireball, and I go save civilization. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, yeah. Right. But the true danger is kind of neat. I, mean, I think I want to read one. We're not going to read all these, I know. Everything is the true danger. So if they describe the Archmage for you, they say the true danger. Everything will be all right, provided that no catastrophic, no, no catastrophe brings down the Archmage's power power nodes and plunges the empire into a maelstrom of rampant elementals, natural forces, monsters from the inner sea and demons from the abyss. So they say, basically they give you a way to make the Archmage super important or not. And that's one of the, I think one of the best things about the setting, don't you, Joe, they give you these different options. About right. So the Archmage, I hate my ISP drink. Um, <laughs> So the Archmage can be um, in the background fiddling with his defenses for the for the realm, and you never see him because yep. he's just because that's what he's doing. Right. You might meet an agent of his who sends you on a mission to, you know, uh, fix something here or there. Yeah. Or you could, as a DM, 
throw a monkey wrench into the defenses and the archmage is all over the place because that's his that's his thing so he's always he's in the fore he's uh directing the, the pcs in a way you're always getting your missions from the archmage because everything's everything's going to hell in a handbasket literally yeah, I think that's the strength of it as a DM. They don't push you in any direction. They give you a lot of rich flavor. Um, let's see if I can like show the the Crusader statement. Um, his quote: "I fear nothing, least of all doing what must be done." So the my point is, you can grab a hold of, of, of a couple of these icons and you can create a campaign where they're really important, or you can shove them all in the background and let the players have minimal to no interaction with the uh, icons. And we'll talk about that when we get to the mechanics. The players can really drive how important the icons are. So that's that's kind of fun. Or the DM. Yeah, or the DM. Yeah, you can do The DM way. will set the tone. So yeah. the DM yeah. will, will say whether or not um, how how important the icons themselves are. And yeah. what But what could come in con- in con- into conflict with that yeah. is the characters when the players develop their one true thing yeah kind of do it wrong mm-hmm. you know i was best buddies with the crusader right we, we grew up together yeah yeah no. and that's something we have to explore i think the mechanics video we we do will probably be pretty long because there's lots of indie elements that can be both good and bad right and then the um the relationship dice when you do in your background when you yeah. describe those things, you can make yourself way more important than you should be. Yeah, like uh, way more important than like you think, well, I'm just the baddest thing walking. And then when you play the character the first time, you're like, dude, you're kind of like not that bad. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, um, the icons really kind of help push the setting. I think it's I think they were I don't know. Would you call the icon icons? I mean, they themselves are not innovative. But the way they implemented it into the game was pretty innovative. That they actually right. they're just factions. They are factions. Yeah, they're essentially factions. Which is to answer Bruce's question, he could easily take all the factions and said the Chaos Attacks, and there's a, they're in the Tolis world. I'm sure there's tons of families. There's rich families in Tolis, if I remember correctly. And you could absolutely use them, replace these guys, and make those your icons. Right. You know, uh, and I'm trying to remember all the different names, but, you know, in Planescape, you could take the Doom Guard, which is an actual faction in the city, and the Harmonium, and the Chaos Attacks, and I would actually use them as icons. I wouldn't use people. They would be, um, they would be you know, uh, organizations. So, yeah, you absolutely could transplant Tolos into this game quite easily. In fact. Right, right. Because, yeah, the, the icons are only as important as the DM makes it and then as much as the players do during play. Yeah, and these are just the most common type that you would see in most settings. Pick up Forgotten Realms, pick up Greyhawk. You're going to find some people, some big time, you know, BAs that look just like these dudes. You know, I guess the reason they're so important, uh, or they can be so important, is let's say we'll take the the Archmage. The Archmage defends against, well, it's sets up set up wards and defenses and all these things and created whole places within the setting. So the Archmage's thumbprint is everywhere. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the Archmage, whenever you show up, it's like running into 
what, what's Hel- Elminster's hometown? Uh, Shadowdale. So you show up in Shadowdale, and, and there's Elminster right there. Yeah. Well, and also but no, the Archmage doesn't just show up in some town that you're in. Yeah, and the Archmage. Now this is what Joe will like this, but he would agree. An Archmage could also be a mantle, meaning oh, that. Sure. From different ages, there could be different Archmages. At one time, there was no Archmage. There was a Wizard King. And at some point, I don't know if it was a Wizard King or the Archmage, there's defense. Like, for example, the um, the Iron Sea was once a very dangerous uh, place in the um, in the uh, world. And they had to build a seawall, and he had to use magic to push back these just behemoths that came up from the ocean. You know, think not quite Cthulhu, but massively terrasque-sized beasts coming up and destroying the civilization. The, the Kraken. Arch- yeah, the Kraken. The Archmage and the Empire uh, worked together, the Emperor, to make the Dragon Empire actually safe for the goodly folks. Because without that, the city of the sea was just sending hordes of nasty beasts to kill them. And they pushed it back. And so the Midland Midland Sea, if that's what it was, the Midland Sea is now calmer. He used magic to make it not as chaotic, pressed the monsters back deeper than the ocean. Uh, yeah, uh, it's pretty pretty sweet, actually. There is an additional book I mentioned called The Book of Ages you can purchase. It's a perfect bound book that talks about what the world was like, um, uh, what the world was like. Uh, back in um, before the 13th age, like the 6th age and the 5th age and so on and so forth. Um, so I just I caught it. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's good. Uh, I, again, to me, the world is described vividly with adventure in mind. Um, did you did you read about the map itself? I, I really had not caught this in the several years we played. Did you know that the Dragon Empire is a flat disc? Flat disc. Okay. With oceans all around it. Yep, yep. And there are seven official cities, and the icons, many icons have a center of power in a few of the cities, but not all of them. Right. Some of the icons have their own place. So the the map itself is literally just a big, quote-unquote, disc, roughly, with the water water all around it, which is kind of interesting. And very. And sometimes when you read the entries um, with some of the sites, they sound... You read them, you go, that sounds cool, but crazy. This sounds cool, but gonzo. And Joe and I have talked about, sometimes it sounds almost too gonzo to be a world. You know, There's so many different things happening. The uh, living dungeons, uh, the hell holes, the, um, the Koru behemoths yeah. walking all over the place. Um, and then all these icons, they're active. I mean, the DM sets the tone of about how their activities, how far in the background or foreground they are, mm-hmm. but um, they are active. So yeah. all those things going on at the same time can uh, can tend to make it seem a little bit unreal. It really can. Um, but it's a fantasy world, so there you go. Oh, yeah. This is – oh, you're meant to be like fantasy man. I mean, this is not meant to be a – this is not a gritty setting. I mean, in no way, shape, or form is this gritty. No. The characters are big damn heroes, and I mean right from the start. Uh, they can kick butt and take names. So this game is not really intended to be played um, by, uh, you know, I want to keep track of every nickel and dime. We'll talk more about that, too. Um, let me find – I want to find a little blurb that I really liked. Okay, so uh, we're just we're, we're just hitting the highlights with the oh, icons. yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, so do we not want to go to the world setting yet? 
Oh, we can. We can. Well, I was trying to hit give them an example. Like on this page here, dungeons. It says some dungeons were built by mortal rulers. Others were constructed by spells and powers of wizards and demons. Other special dungeons called living dungeons rise spontaneous from beneath the underworld, which is one of their three layers. You have the land, which is the Dragon Empire, the underworld, which is like the underworld from myth, and the overworld, which is kind of like, I wouldn't call it heaven, but it's a magical realm above, where if the underworld is dark and scary, the overworld is more light, but also scary a little bit, too. Um, so um, anyway, these dungeons literally move uh, steadily toward the surface. They don't necessarily follow logic. They're bizarre expressions of malignant magic. If a living dungeon survives to break onto the surface of the world, it can become a permanent feature of the landscape, or at least permanent as a dungeon is allowed to be. And I won't read all of this, but basically, they even give they intimate that you could possibly kill a dungeon because it's it's living. It may have a heart or a mind. Um, this is. I've heard one of our friends, Dave, who loves this game, a good friend of ours, and I love—I do love it too, but it's not my absolute favorite. Um, I love it. Uh, he said he thinks that he thinks that gives a reason for dungeons to even exist because some people say dungeons are just dumb. <laughs> well, as presented in old um, modules yeah. with the amount of weird corridors and stuff yep. uh, that they have, yeah, but. You can have a dungeon that's essentially an underground uh, warren um, of natural uh, system of natural caverns, and that could have some crazy, weird um, tunnels. Whoops! Frozen IP drinkage. Yeah. Um, so, I think if it's a natural cavern system, mm -hmm. you could have weird um, tunnels uh, and passageways and whatnot. But if it's constructed, you know, you're going to be constructing it with as little cost as you can um, put into it in mind. So you're not going to have a bunch of passageways go off to nowhere unless it's a, a specific labyrinth that you've made that way to confuse people. There's a big, there's a big thick supplement called the Eyes of the Stone Thief, which I've used bits and pieces of, and it's a massive living dungeon, and it's I think it's a well. I love how it's constructed, but I love how Thirteenth Age constructs their adventures. I'll talk about that sometime too. But what did you think when I first this one element? It kind of threw me for a loop initially. What about you? The idea of a living dungeon wasn't that kind of yeah yeah weird? it was kind of weird. It's yeah. still kind of weird, but we have. We have precedent because we have mimics and we have yeah. all the mimic like things that have been made for D and D over the years. Lurker above and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, I would think living somebody, buildings. I'm sure they had those. Yeah. I would think someone like pundit or uh, Mr. Benger would love this because they're way into gonzo and that, I don't know how you get much more gonzo than a living dungeon that literally travels under the, under the ground. The eyes of the stone thief is a mega super thick adventure. Um, you know what? What the heck? It's right here. Let me grab this. Um, right. Yeah. Living Dungeons, uh, when I first read about it, I was kind of like, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but yeah. I've kind of warmed up to it a little bit. Yeah. Especially from the point of view of it being a lot like other things from the past. The one thing I don't care for is they have a, a spot called the Isle, a spot called the Isle of Ill Omen, which is where the Lich King layers. Um, his place is called the mausoleum and it's his center of power <clears throat> and scattered on the 
I'll call them the beaches of the island, are long dead or long inert living dungeons, like supposed to be like dozens of them. That seems a little too much for me. Um, but this adventure book, which is really thick, called Eyes of the Stone Thief, I love how it's written because I have literally taken portions of this dungeon. And because they have such good little short stories within there, it's almost like infinitely uh, manipulable. You know what I'm saying? Right, you get right. Pieces and, and run off with it. And I think that adds a lot. I think you have to, playing 13 Age, you don't have to. But I had just decided I'm accepting the gonzoness of the world. The players are bigger than life. The, I mean, the characters are bigger than life. Everything in here is, and you, you will do high adventure. You're not just going to go guard a caravan in 13th Age. That's not going to happen. You know, you're going to have one of the uh, viceroys of Horizon, a small district in uh, which is a city where the Archmage lives, going to come to your group and is going to say, hey, we've heard rumors that one of the Koru behemoths is walking this massive trek. These creatures that are the size of kaijus, they walk around, they make this you know, this sort of Modron march around the Dragon Empire, and one of them is letting off electrical sparks. And wherever lightning strikes, a portal opens to the overworld. And we want you to go check that out. That's the kind of crazy over-the-top crap that these characters do. And I think if you like the idea of, you know, playing a really super powerful character, and I don't mean you're you're not broken. I mean, trust me, joke and verify. The monsters can kick you right in the teeth and quick. But I do think um, the world encourages you as a DM, dude, let your let your imagination run wild. And if you can, <laughs> I hate this phrase, if you can dream it, you can do it. Or if you can think it, you can be it. But you can almost stick anything crazy fantasy into this world. And when you want a simple prep, uh, if you like, if you're a DM that loves to play off the cuff, dude, this setting is perfect for that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The, um, the setting itself, um, I guess you can divorce it from the rules and, and adapt it to other rule sets mm-hmm. um, with fairly easily because it's basically a bunch of factions and weird stuff. Yep. And, and when reading the book itself, uh, Jonathan Tweet and um, Rob Heinsu, they have these little co- running commentary. I thoroughly enjoyed that. They have a good back and forth. They're different style of dungeon masters and game masters. And they give that they'll say, here's how this setting is. And then Rob will say, but in my world, in my 13th age game, this is how the, the Lich King acts. And Jonathan goes, but in my 13th age game, this is how resistance to fire works. Because I think the way we do it's too namby-pamby. That's almost a direct quote. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, no, that's not the one I wanted. Oh. This is the one I wanted. Oh, what if the Wizard King became the Lich King? I believe that's actually what happened. Yeah. Yeah, so the Wizard King became the Lich King, but there was, I think the Archmage has done some stuff to protect the world. The Wizard King was once a good dude. Now he's not so good. Yeah, he became a Lich, and then they, um, you know, deposed him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and when think, so the, the dungeons, that's one of my favorites. Do you have a, a favorite piece of lore that you think is um, particularly, you know, cool or gonzo or really interesting? I mean, that, that sta- a lot of it's interesting, but it really stands out to you. 
oh, well, with the Archmage and all the stuff that he's made. And oh. just the, the parallel that it has kind of to Star Trek. Oh. On on Earth, in, in the uh, current age of Star Trek, uh, they control the weather. And they have lots of planetary defenses, even though the Borg just said, oh, they mean nothing to us. <laughs> and... Um, but they have defenses. They have uh, they control the weather and all that stuff. And that's what the, the the Archmage has done for the Dragon Empire. Even though it doesn't, it's not like a, a bubble where nothing bad happens. Um, and that goes that goes for the um, the Great Gold Worm who's stuck in the the port in the um, yeah. the crack the abyss the mall the, yeah. the mall and. Uh, some things do get by him. Yeah. He, just, he stops the flood. It's just a, a occasional trickle comes through of a demon. Yeah. He stops the demon lords that would come in and like raise, you know, raise a city to the ground in, in moments. Right? right. And every once in a while, a little tiny Baylor will slip past him. <laughs> right. right. They are, they are one of the baddest versions of Baylors I've ever seen. They do use a lot of D and D nomenclature in their game. It's definitely, it's a. I mean, it was described in kind of a goofy way when it first came out as a love letter from Hainsu and Tweet to D and D, and it's their preferred way to play D and D. It's got a lot of story elements, but which should not be surprising considering how much Gonzo elements and freewheeling, do what you want attitude, and let's go crazy. So, um, yeah, and all of it is open ended. Yeah, uh, use what you want. Don't use what you don't want. Yeah, they, yeah they and then it's all it's not so interconnected with each other that and uh, that you don't that you can't do your own thing. They're very it's very it's a very loose connection with everything. Yeah, I just posted from my boy Larry, Larry Elliott. He uh he says I'm hoping it'll be a good setting to learn as a DM. Larry's our buddy that started late in the late in the days uh, playing RPGs, and he's trying to. I think he's gonna be running a game this year at CabinCon, and he loves Thirteenth Age. That's the game I started him on, and I think it, it. I do think the setting is so open ended. It is great for uh, young GMs, but you have to have an imagination. If you're the sort of person that needs a lot of hand holding, uh, they even say this game is for advanced players and dungeon masters. It's not really, and by that I mean, you got to be able to, you know, be able to think about adventures on your own. But Larry has done a good job. I've I've listened to some of his his thoughts and premises of his adventure, and he's got a good a good start on it. So that's pretty cool. But I, I would say Larry is in good in good shape if he's going to play in Thirteenth Age. I think um, advanced uh, for advanced players. I think. Yeah imaginative yes, as correct. far as being imaginative yes um also advanced as far as um self-control yeah so those play uh players that want to take their one unique thing and make it into some game rules which you're not supposed to do and they want their backgrounds to be so heavily connected to the um the icons like their, you know, their best buddy or, you know, their twin or whatever, you know, something like that, which you shouldn't do uh, because it's stupid, <laughs> you know, because not everybody in the party should have, you know, be a blood relative to one of the icons because, you know, yay. It, it, it yeah, it, it uh, starts to lack credulity, but I don't have a problem if someone like one of their suggested 
you know, character, one unique thing, which you're kind of touching at, is to let someone, I was the Archmage in a different age. And something happened, and now I'm a first-level wizard. <laughs> I mean, that would be cool for one dude to do once. Right. Not for everybody to do all the time. But, <clears throat> yeah. But we'll talk more about that, because that can sound like... It may sound like you would get really crazy powers, but the game itself says don't be giving away cool powers just because someone has a neat background. Right, right. Because the characters are already... Oh yeah, powerful enough, and the the game already favors the player, the characters. Yes, in a lot of ways. So yeah. this is this is about the characters being the heroes, not the heroes becoming, not the players, or not the characters becoming heroes. It's about them being the heroes. Yeah, I, I think in this setting, um, you are absolutely being the heroes. I think it's a very interesting. I think their overworld and underworld approach uh, took me a little by surprise at first, uh, just because I had not gotten really used to. Um, uh, I hadn't caught on to the idea that they're being very, very, I don't want to say gonzo, but high magic, right? Um, uh, very um, encouraging. There's a lot of magic in this setting. It's like a Greek myth come it's, to come to the table. It's, yeah, it's right in front of your face. It's not subtle at all. It's right there. <laughs> so Bruce says so it's not a zero to zero game. Unsubscribed. <laughs> you play third edition or Pathfinder, so shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not zero to hero. But uh, the three, like I said, the land is the Dragon Empire. The underworld is pretty obvious. The overworld uh, at first was a little hard to grasp. It says, I'm reading from the book here. High above the land is the overworld, the realm of clouds. Clouds can support weight, and various creatures live in the overworld, all of them fearsome. Floating here and there amid the clouds are flying mountains, storm and cloud giants, dragons and cloud cities. All mighty flying creatures travel to the overworld when traversing great distances. The Archmage's Tower and the Priestess's Cathedral both extend magically into the overworld. Adventurous mortals can accept it by climbing certain mountains that's very greek myth like to reach yeah. olympus by climbing um i do think it adds a lot to the game we've done a little bit there and just as a one note oh sorry one note for uh uh mechanical benefits the wizard if he's adventuring the wizard class if he adventures in the overworld he has it's so magical he gets a power boost up there his abilities to recall spells become really boss. It's a bit situational. There's only a few spells that it benefits. The day, yeah, the ones that are dailies, though. Yeah, the daily spells where you have to to re-roll or you can get once you get a, you can get four salvo back every battle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty boss. That is pretty boss, dude. Uh, yeah, but it's guess hard. What, guess what? We never did. What? Adventure in the overworld. Not true. Almost okay. never. No, that's true. You did. <laughs> you traveled in the overworld once. Remember those griffins took you through a secret pathway. Yeah. yeah but you're right. Um, yeah, because I don't want wizard. I don't want Joe to be any good. I want his wizards to suck. So, but well, there's no danger. When, when we do the mechanics next time, I think you'll find out. It's it's definitely not zero to hero. It's um, it's hero to big damn hero to 
watch out. I'm going to dominate the world. Um, and it's, you know, it's a power trip. It's a big fantasy. And I do love it. It's fun. I mean, if, if you have any fun playing big fantasy games, you know, where you're the big dude, this is the this setting just, I mean, you can't get any better than that, I don't think. Right. I mean, this is this is the game and setting for you if you want to play D&D type game mm-hmm. and not wait to be the hero. Right. Start out the hero. This is it. Level I don't think that that's I don't think that's really the way third thir- uh, third edition goes. No. Or Pathfinder, you do still have to adventure a little bit, mm-hmm. though you do start out you're ratcheted up a little bit from first level in previous editions, but in this one, nah, no wait. You start out hero. I have been called um, by many people in Cabin Con a killer DM. I have yet to have a player character die in a 13th age game. Well, I had one and my partner here caused the death. He kicked the dude off a tower. That's the only reason a player character has ever died. Oh yeah. 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 That's true. <laughs> he kicked him off the tower. And, um, <clears throat> so, uh, I think it's not a game for the zero to hero. It's not a game where life is dangerous. I would argue mechanically, and I'll talk about it more mechanics. I'm, that's one of the reasons that I got pulled away from the game. I said, man, Characters just don't have much. I say they don't feel like they're going to die, but when we play games, I know when I run into Dave and when you guys play with me, Joe says, man, that was close. There's fights where they're like, oh, my gosh, I think the poop's about to hit the fan. But once you get to round six, which we'll say why that's important, or even round four or five, things start changing in the player's favor. Yeah. Escalation die. Escalation die. But that's that's mechanical stuff. Uh Anything else you think we should talk about with the setting? Have we left anything off? I don't think so. I think we hit the highlights. I thought we were going to be a little more in depth, but uh, there's a lot, there's a lot there to go into depth with. So um, perhaps uh, um, what we should do is a, uh, if we want a, if, if there is call for it, perhaps, um, we can go into depth into some specific areas. So we talked about all of the, the icons mm-hmm. uh, and we hit some of them a little deeper than others. We've talked about like the setting, mm-hmm. but we didn't talk about any particular part of the setting too deep, except for perhaps the overworld, the land underworld um, and the main and, and kind of a general way. So if uh, we're, we're uh, getting kind of close to two hours, so what we could do is just ask our folks yeah. that are listening or watching if they want more of 13th Age for us to go into a bit deeper, a particular icon, a particular part of the world. Um, or And we're going to start next time. We're next. I don't know if it's going to be the next episode, but the next time we talk about 13th Age, it's going to get into the um, um, uh, rules. Uh, rather than the setting. So if there's anything you want to see from this end of the game, let us know anything more you want to see. Look at Bruce. <laughs> well, I don't even think that's a spell in this game. Pooping wish shell? Uh, wish wish. Shell? No. Wish. <laughs> yeah, wish is not a spell. And no. you don't get fly to a fifth level, to a fifth yeah. level spell. So, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, look, it is over the top. But, it is. It but is. if you see something there... I'll just say this mechanically. At the high end of the game, and the characters don't have anywhere near this, 
there are monsters that hit for 400 damage. They will take a big old barbarian and knock him down. And yep. one hit. So, I mean, there's ways you can straight up. I mean, now, granted, if you play the rules as written, it's still hard to murder him because he's probably going to have close to 300 hit points, 350 hit points. But the game is, it's amazing how quickly high hit point characters get whittled down in this game. The math is pretty tight. So, but yeah, I get it. it it's not a game for everybody. So. No. Yeah. All right. Oh, hold on. <laughs> yes, Bruce. <laughs> you saw that too? <laughs> Multi-race? <laughs> yeah, dude. You can oh, be like half, half race? You can be a half, half orc, half elf, half dwarf, assassin, tiefling, uh, Rikasa, uh furry duck, bard. By the way, this game does have bards. Joe will gush wonderfully about the bards when we get to yes. the mechanics. But um, you can play anything, but it has the core mechanics. It does have the demon touch, with our, which are their versions of tieflings. And the thing is, the, the races only have one ability. Yeah. They don't have a, yeah. a, long, no. a long menu of abilities. They just have one. They... Um, I don't know. I have to look at it again with new eyes. Um, I don't think that this game, well, since it's not D and D, yeah, uh, there's no, um, there's no baggage about elves being a particular way or mm-hmm. or humans or whatever. So they just have each each race has a power, and um, there's no you know any race can play any class. Um, it still does the dumb thing where if you're a halfling, you can have a 20 strength. Yeah, they don't. So. You don't get caught up in realism. <laughs> can I play my half Kitsune aberration with a loot and charisma 24? That's a real question I've shut down before while starting a new game at a store. <laughs> yeah, this is you have to break yourself. I mean, if you want to try this game, you have to break yourself of, um, I think, um, getting too worked up about well, I don't think a character can be overpowered in this game. Not really. No, not really. Um, I, not not, not within it. Not within the game yeah. um, framework. Um, do we, you can probably stop sharing. You can probably stop sharing. Yeah, well, we're heading into uh, mechanics. We probably should probably scoot out of here because, as far as the mechanics go, because of the thirteenth age, because we're going to get. Uh, did it stop there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to get too much, and we got a lot we can talk about, and that's a good question, though. Oh. Yeah, and you're not getting the stat above 20, I don't think. In 13th age, that's very difficult. Oh, no, very difficult. No, you can get about 22, 24. It's possible. Um, Shads are asked, is 13th age another setting? Uh, is another setting as a system game? Um, no, we're not talking. So I'm going to no, say. No, setting and system are completely separate. You don't have to separate. have one with the other. Yeah, um, even the, the only, there's only well, there's really only one thing. There's one thing, um, the relationship dice. Yes, when we get to those. Yeah, yeah. there's in one class with a relationship power, but it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I, uh, that's the bard. The bard has a relationship power, relationship dice power. That if you don't use the setting and the icons and all that stuff, it would be yeah. worthless. But Considering the, how the rest of the class works, I don't think. Yeah. yeah, 
you wouldn't miss it. You could pull out the setting completely, take the mechanics. But I, when you get into the mechanics, guys, when you, when we get to the mechanics and talk about it, I feel like a lot of folks are interested in that, at least by the questions. I think you'll see that um, the game is where it's fourth edition like is. And I would say fourth edition had some decently balanced math. And I'm not claiming that's a good quality. I'm just saying it's a thing. 13 days does it well. Every character plays very different, but they're, I don't think there are any punk characters. You know, there's no Not character really. that's really just weak. Like, you know, AD&D, first edition, a first level monk is kind of the suck. Okay? There's right. nobody that waits to get his coolness. Everybody can do something in the game. There are some characters that are simpler to play than others. But, but, you know. Yes. So the different character classes play differently, but there's no real variation within the classes. Not right. within right. a particular class. Yeah. A class, a fighter is pretty much a fighter, 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 fighter. There's not, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of um, variation there. There's some, but not much. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we are going to move along from Thirteenth Age. Hope you guys liked that. Yeah. Well, I think I probably shouldn't have called it a deep dive because it wasn't all that deep, but it was something. Um, well, um, here's a question, and people can answer this. I mean, did it feel like it was deep enough? Do you think you got a flavor for it? Do you feel like something's missing? I mean, I, I don't know what you wanted us to do, Joe. We could have. Do you want to? We can, well, we can talk about it off air. Maybe. Yeah. Guys, and, oh, I just thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to talk a little bit more about all the individual icons, but it's. Oh, and we can do oh, that. We could. We yeah. can do that in another episode, but we're yeah. not. We're not going to be doing that now. Okay. Um, so, moving along. Um, to our next bit, yep. Uh, we can start looking at more of the uh, comments. Mm-hmm. Um, cannonball into it. Yes, let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Boom. I had a question for Randy. Oh, okay. And that question is: Do we even need to rant? And we kind of did a little bit. In, in, we got a little. I don't. Ranty's not true. We we got a little uh, mouthy, I guess, when we're talking about the articles and whatnot. But yeah, I ranted, rant. I ranted about Superman last week. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and the question is bigger than that, right? It's not just for me. Do were you saying me and you on our podcast, or do we as gamers or as people? I mean, where's this going? It can go everywhere. Okay. So we can say. Do, does biggest geekest need to be ranty about stuff? Do, do we need to? We or don't. Is need. It, we're going to. Yes. Yes. We're not going to. From I think time to need, time. I'm going to say yes. No. <clears throat> need. Such a tough word. Um, I think I want it for a little bit of catharsis. I'm finding that this podcast business. <laughs> business is um i need to get i started out a little more timid but i need to get uh i need to get it out sometimes um joe's a little more very even killed of the two of us um and um i I, i'm gonna try to make it there this week max i want to be there i miss you guys i want to get on that thing talk about it as a contradiction in terminology there Rant on the chill stream. <laughs> no, dude, it chills, it chills me out. Together. It chills me out. I'm with Max. But that's what happens. Yeah. 
I love it. But and I think that's kind of why I asked because there was some rantiness. Um, and there's always you go on Twitter, it's a rant this and rant that and the other thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, people rant about each other and about about wizards, about pot. Well, not so much about Piso because they're beginning to be non-entities. No, they're dumb. Sorry, just say that out loud. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we rant about various things, and then people will rant about us ranting, and and it's a cycle. But you know, I, I agree with Darth Vic. He says, I, "I think you all need to rant when it's something you feel strongly about." And as you guys saw, Superman, that was a that was a hot button topic for me. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing. Someone will say, <laughs> folks will say, um, "Who cares about Superman? It's just a comic book. Who cares?" Right. But we do. Yeah. We would love to buy. Okay. Love we would love D and D to not be directed by Wizards of the Coast because they make all kinds of decisions uh, that I think are stupid or whatever activist related. And same thing with the comic book realm; it's very activist driven, and we would like it to not be. <laughs> I would make this argument too about the Superman rant, good, bad, or ugly. Um, We'll bring up what's his name, the guy that won't talk about the OSR anymore that used to think Gygax was king. Yes, Bruce. He says the rape of Superman in the new DC comics. Yeah, I lost my kind of lost my mind about that. But who's the dude, J. Scott Garibay? Yeah. Um, I would say Superman is a lot closer to being American, uh, an, an American, American icon, icon than Gygax could ever think about. Superman is, is his DNA is in the U.S. The U.S. is part of it. So, um, Batman, yeah, yeah. as as a American, as Americana, Batman, Batman, Superman, Spider Man, yeah, are are the are three of them, if not the three. Yeah, Captain America. I mean, Gygax is is is. An American phenomenon, role playing, I think, is distinctly American. Uh, I mean, it's it's bled around the world, but it was originated in the Midwest, pretty much. Um, There might have been some parallel development, but much of it can be ascribed to the Midwest of America. But it's very, very, very niche. It always has been. It's only grown a little bit. I don't think it's. I mean, it's grown bigger over the last decade, but. I still think it's a niche. Yeah, but yeah. So, but back to our our idea of ranting. Um, ranting. Yeah, I'm. I think we can't help it. I mean, Joe gets more upset about people that write poor articles. <laughs> but uh, the point is, I think uh, maybe I think it's in our gamer DNA too. We, you know, we have addition wars. We're a bit contentious. Yeah, my game's better. What? You're playing Vampire the Masquerade. You playing that emo piece of crap? At least I don't play D and D. That's such a that was so last year. <laughs> right, but I can understand why people may not get it, grok it, because when yeah. folks uh, and I still I kind of understand it. I just don't join in the whole um, your football team and my football team. You know, you suck. Your football team suck. They should all die. Go away. Blah blah blah. All that stuff about football teams, and I'm like, well, I just want to see a good game, and people will look at me like I'm, you know, I have three heads. Whoa! Did you see this by Shadzar? Oh boy, you invoked it. Garibay today posted a video. He never looked at five ebooks before to know Gary's name wasn't on them. Gygax is not credited at all in the five ebooks. Why should he be? Well, it's 
still related to D and D, I guess. But okay. okay. At this point, only only really superficially. Yeah. But yeah, Garibay heads has a bit of crow he he must eat. Have you played that, Bruce? He says I used to always hear from the artsy crowd how they hated D and D. They'd rather play amber diceless role playing. People said that out loud. <laughs> I've heard that. Oh, wow. You still play D&D? That's for I have heard for that. dummies and stuff. And, story but, time. You read from story time. You love Randy's story time. So I'm in college, right? My first year transfer to IU Bloomington. Uh, go Hoosiers. And I had uh, rolled up in there, and I heard that there was a game club up in the up in the union. So I rolled my happy butt up there about seven o'clock on a Saturday night, looking to get some D and D action. And this is a very, I'm very much a greenhorn. I thought D and D was like the really, that everybody that played role-playing games, D and D was their number one. Any other role-playing game was just a passing fancy. That's what I thought. So I rolled in and these guys are playing talisman, the second edition board game. They had every expansion and I'm waiting very politely watching them play. And they go, Hey, well, what are you here for? I said, the game club. I want to know if you guys, you guys like play D and D and stuff. And they're like, D&D, we play fantasy, fantasy hero. (laughs) That's exactly how the guy said it. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't mean to interrupt. I don't mean to interrupt you guys. They go back to playing and I move my butt right out of there. And I found me some gamers elsewhere. (laughs) I was just like, yeah, that was, that can be so ironic because they're playing (laughs) Talisman, which is a direct derivative of D&D. I I guarantee you its makers would say that we made this in homage or something like that. Very sad comment. I never found a group that would play Amber or at least let me join. He doesn't have a group. Bruce doesn't have a group. You can join our group. Cabin Con's in May, brother. (laughs) Yeah, you won't find Amber there either. No, you'll not be allowed to play Amber there. Well, actually, that's vetoed. That's a game that's vetoed. Get used to disappointment. <laughs> oh. uh, ah. That's like fate. My friend asked me to play, so I got my dice out to make a character, and he said, I don't need dice. I can just tell the GM I want to make the character what I want to make the character. Made no sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever fate. you want. Whatever. We should review Fate. Fate is one of the simplest, most nonsensical games I've ever seen. No, that's not fair. It is sensical, but it's more of a... I've never played it. I've played it once. Joe and I played the Dresden version of Mm. Fate. But your characters don't have... They have descriptions as their stats, sentences. And then you... They they do give you um, dice for playing. um, Or give you dice to roll. But yeah, you don't roll for your stats. Not for playing Amber. Not for playing Amber. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was hard for me to uh, get into because when I play a role-playing game, I, I'm aggressive. And he, he scares me. And I just I like to get in there and mix it up and be in the the um, scenario. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that with this Dresden game, and <laughs> it just is difficult. Yeah, it's weird. And, you know, when we play at CabinCon, we have to put a uh, trigger warning at any table that Joe plays in. Warning, very aggressive gamer will attempt to engage the story. <laughs> What's going on? I'm doing that. We're not ready for that. I don't care. We're doing it. You man, you see a door that says no one has ever touched the door handle. I touch it. <laughs> That's Joe. So, yeah, you go like Castle, Castle Amber. 
not Amber Diceless, but Castle Amber, the D&D &D, uh, D &D, um, module. There's a room you go into, and there's a buffet. There's this, not a buffet. There's a big table spread with food and everything that it, some of it doesn't look so good, but some of it does. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, what you need to play is a game called Big Mother Effing Crab Truckers or review it. That's a legitimate game. <laughs> it's a game called, so probably he's just, uh, he's fun in you. But yeah, you, you go walk into a haunted <laughs> castle and one of the rooms has food out <laughs> and you're like, most were like, well, I'm not eating now. I'll, I walk up there, sit down, and start eating. What does this do? What does that do? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, depending on which version of that module you run, it can go okay for you. But if you eat or drink the wrong thing, you can die. You can die. You're talking about Castle Amber. Castle no, Amber. Not Diceless Amber. Yeah. Yeah. Castle Amber, the module. Hey, Shadzar and company. If I do, if I hit the star. If I hit the star on the comments, do they see that? Yeah, Ch Chateau d'Ambelli. Yeah, because it was produced in French. It was uh, produced in French as well. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I almost bought a copy of that cheap. I should have gotten it. It would have been neat. Uh, no. You would have to have a game that was deep to have <laughs> a, a review that was in depth. You have to first of all, you must have blue hair. All characters must have blue hair. Thirsty Swords Lesbians in the in-depth review when when hell right now. Right now. <laughs> don't don't buy it. It sucks. Don't buy it. Stupid. It's by woke leftists. Um, <laughs> look at the art. The art stinks. I'm not even looked at it. I've looked at the art. The art is really horrific. Um, and the um, there is a label on the game saying if you don't if Free you my ISP you can't play anything. Time um, for me to go. Good night, Larry. Good night, Larry. Um if you are this, don't play our game. You do your thing. I'm just gonna go do something. Yeah, just put your um yeah. Um yeah. It, it has these disclaimers on the game saying if you are this, you can't play our game. And I just said, Okay, I'm not playing your game. Not that I'm that thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no in-depth needed. It's garbage. Right. Um, the wizard grabs a magical sword, which sticks to his hand. Sound familiar? Yes. Yes. I, I can't remember what we did for that, to get rid of that. You know, you know. Yes, and good night, Larry. Oh, Shadzar, you censored the name of the game for us. Thank you. Randy is not uh, above uh, just reading whatever, but uh, I, I can I prefer uh, not. He's right. I can catch myself being a little uh, language. Uh, Foul language adjacent. Warning. According to Bruce, warning, we are gamers who kill orc babies. Well, they grow up to be orcs, and orcs mm -hmm. are evil. So, yeah. And they're still orcs, even when they're babies. If they even have babies, do they? <laughs> I think they spring from the ground. Like they, they might either do that, or perhaps orcs are generated from corrupted 
humans and elves, maybe just elves. That's the way I like to look at it. Then you don't even have to worry about the baby issue. They are corrupt. And there are enough, um, there are enough out there that there's always going to be some orcs. I'm just like seeing people rage that evil hat is still in business. <laughs> They're going to be. I mean, as much as people want to say, that's from Bruce, as much as people want to say, uh, go woke, go broke, it's not uh, universal. It doesn't always happen. There's enough people, even if they don't play the games, there's going to be enough support from people that um, an evil hat who doesn't just have thirsty sword lesbians, they have a, a bunch of other stuff that people have bought and a lot of people probably, well, I don't know about a lot, but enough people bought it, I suppose, or buy their stuff that even if they don't buy thirsty sword lesbians, evil hat will remain until they make, you know, too many games like that, that, you know, people decide that they're not worth supporting anymore. But there's, I don't know. I don't know if that's even possible. There are enough people who play or in our, in our hobby that um, so that those games are supported. Wizards of the Coast still is still very much profitable, I believe. I don't know. I don't know their numbers. I don't know if Watsy is more than profitable. Yeah, they're the, they're the or if the D and D division of Watsy or mm-hmm. is uh, Wizard is um, Magic Gathering um, in any way propping it up? I don't know. Right. I don't know those numbers. But as long as Wizards is profitable, they will be in charge of Dungeons and Dragons unless they they themselves determine that it's too much of a loss for them to support, if it's a loss at all, for someone to buy, and who knows who would buy. In this in this environment, uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't I don't know if I'd want it to come up for purchase because yeah. some weirdo, some more weird weirdo might have enough cash on hand to to buy it. Well, I'm not sure you talked about him as pundit. There's somebody else. If um, if D and D, if Hasbro ever says you're not, and they're more likely to say you're not making enough money, that you're, not that you're not profitable, you're just not, because to them, certain amounts of money is not worth their time. Hmm. And but I think what would happen, and I forgot who said this recently, but I think someone would actually. At Hasbro, be like, look, D and D's not like when Sixth Edition comes out and people get tired, the newness has worn off, and not as many folks are playing as it was before. It goes back to sort of less swollen numbers like Five E, which I think that'll happen when there's a real Sixth Edition. Uh, just a feeling, because it usually does. Things come and go. I think they'll say, huh, the IP is still juicy for video games and board games and little figures and you know movies and cartoons. We'll Those just- are all separate licenses. Agreed. A lot of them are. But I think they could put the D&D RPG on the shelf. Because I don't know if Hasbro... It's all going to depend on how the next movie does. And historically, it's going to do crap. Because there hasn't been a D&D movie that did well. Right. Um, even in the aftermarket, even in DVD sales, even in uh, even with the... Uh, um, even with all the D&D movies put together, they're not profitable enough for anybody to be confident in it. 
Bruce, you haven't heard anything. Well, NASA, I mean, this guy's kind of crazy. He's not got, he doesn't have enough serious money to do that, does he? Or is that just something you wouldn't want to see happen? Justin Lanasa is the guy that got the newest version of TSR. And from what I've heard about him, especially from Tinkar, he's not a terribly nice dude. And he's kind of burned a lot of bridges, even with old school gamers now. Wonderfield produced Giant Lands, which we talked about earlier, which sounds kind of dumb with their co- costume requirement. you got to wear costumes while you're playing the game to get bonuses. But um, I think Lanasa, uh, you know, Wonderfield produced it. It wasn't produced by TSR anymore. When it came out, it was by Wonderfield. So, well, he managed. Yes, Bruce, he managed to buy TSR. Well, he he bought the the trademark or the Correct. yeah. So because, uh, probably because from what I understand, whoever had it before let it lapse, and they probably wanted to renew, but for one reason or another didn't. Oh, here, yeah, I saw this. Uh, I didn't watch uh, Tinkar's video, but Shadzar said Lanasa just attacked Darlene, the original female artist of TSR that created the logo. And I think she had something to do with the Greyhawk map, too. So, yeah, he's he, he's lost Jim Ward. He's just burned some bridges. I don't know the dude, but he doesn't sound like he uh, is all that great of a dude. Probably not. Probably, they're all just people. Well, it's interesting here. Some are good, some are not. Darth Dick makes a point. I just wish the gaming COs would actually focus on the actual players, not everyone else out there. Stick to your demographic and focus on making them happy. That's one thing that article, that third article that Joe links to, uh, bounding into comics about slavery, he makes comments about about how that should be something they should focus on, that not that many people really want the stuff that people, the woke, cry about. And even though though people will sort of quote unquote support it, I think a lot of players are just like, I don't really care if it's woke or not. I want D and D content, so I'm buying it. Right. So yeah, so they've got D and D, even if it's only superficially related to the to the original game, which that's what it is. It's only superficial. Um, some people will just run out and buy whatever whatever it, something that says D and D. They just go buy it. And so as, as long as we have the, I think it's probably the majority of the buying public for this, this hobby, uh, the ones that like D and D, as long as it says D and D on the cover, they're just going to buy it. Now what's this? Yeah. He, so Ernie's still with him. It says, I think Shadzar says, I think Lanasa has, has Ernie by the short curlies else. Ernie would be gone from, DHSM, oh, Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that just sounds like a ripoff. If you if you get a chance, you ought to read, you ought to read about the Dungeon Hobby rules and how you got to pay this much money to sit at a table. I'm like, look, would I pay a hundred dollars back in the day if I had it to play D and D with Gygax? Maybe, maybe, but it'd be Gygax or Arneson. Yeah, no, not none of the minor players. And dude, in third edition, I loved Monty Cook. I wouldn't have paid to play with him. No, especially not after seeing him. <laughs> he had there was a uh, for the strange. He had a little play example video that he posted saying, "This is how you play the strange." And I was like, "Not with you. <laughs> no way." Dude, is it just lame. Me? Oh my god, is it just me? I, I it wasn't just me when he put those videos out of how the game works. All I, and even some of his newer stuff, when I see videos of them playing, Monty, he either has punted and doesn't care anymore, 
or he looks like a very boring game master. This is lame. Lame, dude. Yeah. I mean, just some dude in the game store, pickup game, fine. Yeah. But the dude. Yeah, helped create yeah. tradition and was a prolific author, whether you like him or not. And I've heard, I've heard people say, oh, I just love playing under him. Maybe he's really better and maybe he gets nervous in front of the camera. But um, maybe, maybe, maybe. So, whether we need to rant or not, right? We're doing. We're going to yeah. now and again. So I don't know. I'll say just, this: people get used to it. I'm going to answer it definitively. Yes, you need to rant in general because if you don't, I think you would burst. Oh me. I think it, even you, Joe, you rant sometimes. I do. And I think I think you need to get it out amongst people. I don't want to say where you feel safe, where you at least know, can at least identify. Even if they don't agree with your opinion, they're no, you know they're not going to be like, that's beyond dumb. You know? And I think I think you need to. Yeah. Oh, wow. Dig this. I have zero interest in playing with any of them. And by them, do you, Shadzar, are you talking any quote-unquote famous quote-unquote famous designer I declined an invite to play with Frank Mincer at Cobalt Con 2017 oh wow okay I heard Frank can be kind of a sometimes good sometimes b bad to deal with so but I don't know the man I don't know any of them really at all right. oh we, we'll do that now Bruce a movie review hold on hold on oh, sorry am I going too fast yeah you rejected what I had what are you stop it <laughs> I, I undid it. Oh, I done did the wrong one. <laughs> yes, you did. Stop it. I'll, you're not going to. You be gave anymore. me power, dude. No, you you're not, yeah, already, taking it away. I've already taken Yoinked. it. Away. Bruce okay. asks, movie review of In the Name of the King. When? Okay. So you haven't watched enough of these, obviously. So we'll do the movie review right now. <laughs> Don't watch it. Do it's not. not worth the celluloid it was recorded on or filmed on. It was if it was. I wonder if it was digitally filmed or film filmed. I don't know. Either way, not worth any of that. Because of one phrase. Send in the ninjas. <laughs> that at that point in the movie, even though the rest up to that point, I was like, oh, this isn't so good. And then. <laughs> And then uh, out of the blue the said out of the blue, send in the ninjas. Like, <laughs> I'm done. This is a dumb movie. In a freaking um, in a freaking I'm laughing partly at the movie and partly at Darth Theix. Um, button. I'm pushing the buttons, Joe. <laughs> he says, Randy, stop pushing buttons. I am the chaos, man. Joe made me a co-host. and He's regretting every minute of it. Hereby <laughs> 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 revoked. What does that button do? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. But let me see what, can I put up here what uh, Shadzar said about Frank? Go ahead. Um, Shadzar, nothing against Frank. I watched the video of it, but I just don't see a need to have to play with them. I have their works. It isn't like I would be playing at TSR in 78, so what's the point? No, well, that's yeah. a way to do it. Sure, I, sure. I have to admit, though, if Gygax said... Um, I got one. If he said I got a spot open, I would sit down in a moment. If Arneson said it, I would in a moment. Probably if Frank did. A lot of the old guys, Tim Cask, it would be fun. 
<laughs> Shadzar's got me. Chat <laughs> uh, from Shadzar. Randy shall henceforth be called Crunk. Pull the lever, Crunk. <laughs> Don't put levers in front of me. I crunk. Is that the infragable Crunk? Um, I think that's a dude from a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, the infragable Crunk. Okay. I think from um, oh, what was the name of that cart? It was like a a bit on um. I know the car- it was a Cartoon Network. Yeah, a Cartoon Network cartoon. He oh, was- you're talking about Koontz's character? No, Robert Koontz is a creator. Thank you, saying he'd like to play with Rob Koontz. I oh, would uh-huh. too. He seems like a pretty cool cat, but I don't know if the constant chain smoking I could stand. Oh yeah, <laughs> that might not be great. Yeah. Um. Um. Uh, oh, what's his name? This the smart kid with the giant head on Cartoon Network. Dexter? Dexter's Laboratory had a little, in between his scenes, had like a Super Friends, but they call it something else. Oh. And, and one of the, there were three superhero heroes. One was a, a Thor ripoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and one was a, I don't know what the, there oh, were three of them. Yeah. One was a Hulk ripoff, and he was called the Infragable Crunk. This is not, he's talking about someone else. Yeah. Emperor's oh, New Groove. Oh, I don't. I never watched that. I should. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to hang with Koontz, according to Bruce, but he made some well-crafted adventures back in the day. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, I think he. I've seen him interviewed. He seems like a pretty reasonably a reasonable dude. Well, yeah. yes. Yes, everybody has pointed out I was saying talking about the wrong guy. <laughs> Joe and I like that other crunk. We're very observant. <laughs> oh, powder puff nerd, yeah, dude. Deck I love me some Dexter back in the day. That was yep. cool. she Powderpuff Nerd loves Dee Dee. Yeah. Powderpuff girls were in that same era, I think. Yes, yes. That was a good that was a good cartoon. There was some funny stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, not not, not not like I have posters or anything, but it was funny. <laughs> Mojo Jojo. Mojo Jojo. Joe's got posters. Yeah. <laughs> of the powder book girls. <laughs> you know, you've heard of the bronies? Right? He's the same powder, thing. You're a powder what boy. He, what, would it be, what would it be called? What would it be called? Powder boy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> powder boy. Oh. If that was a new nickname for me, someone's getting their name. <laughs> I get Crunkin' Powder Boy. What a cool thing. <laughs> Crunkin'. Yeah. Pat, yes, 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 yeah. yes. <laughs> Crunkin'. I know who Pat Warburton is. He's, he does some great voice work. And, on, dudes. Make and, this happen. It's Crunkin' Powder Boy. The um, Crunkin' Powder Boy show. <laughs> um, he did a great. Um, oh, I'm done. Oh. What's the name of the superhero he did? Pat Warburton. The Tick. The Tick. The Tick. That is awesome. Good stuff. Justice. (laughs) Yes, Patrick Warburton is the boss. Yes, yes, yes. Great actor. He's so good. Yeah, voice actor. Fabulous. Okay, so we're beyond the two-hour mark. Um, I have to work in the morning, so I think think we need to uh, put on the brakes. 
Okay. Okay, Tyre. I'm writing it down. And I need to learn okay. you how to need to learn you how to do your thing back there and not <laughs> punch all the buttons all the time. Crunk and powder boy. Spoon. Spoon. <laughs> In the cartoon, I, th- I guess the cartoon animated cartoon was good too. Uh, probably better because it was a better representation of the tick. But the the live action tick was pretty good. The <laughs> first one. Before you go, Martinson. At Randy at CabinCon, you and Joe are playing in a superhero game as those two characters, Crunk and Powder Boy. <laughs> All I have to say is, who's going to make me? <laughs> There's no, there is no, there. Well, I guess there is one guy at CabinCon that's big enough to make me. Who's that? Oh yeah, Mr. Larry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's big enough to make a couple of us do stuff. <laughs> he really is. He really is. He's our hero. He protects us. <laughs> anyway, oh, is it time to call and turn on the turn out the lights? So it's time to turn out the lights. As someone said here, I turn into a pumpkin powder. Oh, 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 oh! I'm gonna put that one up. <laughs> pumpkin powder? What's that? He turns into a powder pumpkin. <laughs> That'll be a superpower. Form of powder, powder pumpkin. pumpkin. <laughs> Thank you, powder puff nerd. <laughs> oh, this is so good. No, Mortensen, it's not you. <laughs> anyway if you would like to support our show even though uh we're probably we probably suck <laughs> if you'd like to support our show please visit the many places you can find us on the interwebs we have a list of our links in the show notes our website is biggest please click on the support tab and give us your money if you like if not find somebody who will because we don't care where it comes from Oh yes, we have a we have yeah. a uh, a um, mascot here, a kitty cat. Last minute, Pippin. She wanted Pippin. to say goodbye. Yeah, my wife wants me to uh, have a bird for for the mascot over on my side. A beard. A beard. <laughs> okay. We are on Twitter, Facebook, MeWe, Odyssey, YouTube. Our email is thegeeks at biggestgeekestpodcast.com. Please share this show with your friends. And let us know if there's another way that you can listen or watch that we could support you better. Please subscribe, like, share, and rate us in all the places that you find us. Anything else? Nope. Just tell Shadzar I'm going to check out that RPG he left me somewhere secretly. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Joe gave it away. It was a secret. <laughs> okay. I think we're I good. Don't want it to be a secret for you anymore. <laughs> now right. you don't have to look very hard. Okay, powder boy. <laughs> All right. If nothing, if there's nothing else, there this is, is Joe, and I'm Randy. And remember, if you can't be big like us, then be geeks like us. Good night, folks. <laughs>